Not everyone get your voices ready. Sounds like half the fucking movies I've watched in the past week. <laughs> <laughs> is what we just did right now. Oh my god. Well, everyone, um, I'm going to keep that in. That's how the episode's going to start with us clearing <laughs> our throats. And I'm going to say um, welcome to our show. Uh, I am Sam, uh, a sex man, Maricalio. Along with me is the lovely Daniel Sexman Holtz, Corey Sexman Stillman, and Samir Yellow Pregada. Yo. <laughs> Between the Daniel and the and the last name is that's a, uh, what? <laughs> a lot. You just packed a lot in there. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um we're gonna make we're gonna make our episodes a little more dense. Uh, unpack a little more lore each and every episode, and you find out a little bit more about the four media mediocre film boys as time goes on. Um, boys, today is spooky season. Um, it Ooh. is also uh, Christian Girl Fall, uh, which is our favorite season as well. But more importantly, uh, it's the scariest time of the year. It's election season. Am I right, guys? <laughs> like, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it it kind of hurts to even laugh at that, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I think my parents would like that joke, but I don't know if that's our demographic right now. So, but today, no, my have... mom would probably still be correct now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like Christian Girl Fall is scarier, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> There's really nothing more terrifying than um, knee high boots. The Kayleys and all of them, yeah. Um, Careful, I think that might be our primary demographic. <laughs> yeah, they really... Every they, listener. Yeah, they really like when we talk uh, about Quentin Tarantino. Uh, <laughs> so on today's episode, uh, we're doing a little bit different. We're not, like, ranking our favorite horror movies or anything like that. Today, uh, we will be doing a horror movie film draft. But before we get into that... Um, we're going to do two things. We're going to first do ask, uh, like we did last week, what movies we watched in preparation for this week, as well as just movies we watched in general. Uh, and then we're going to start a new hot take called uh, Don't Respond to Me, This Is My Hot Take, uh, which I named just now. <laughs> and we will say... Everything, every name of something on this podcast is just like a full explanation no. of what the... <laughs> Thing is. It's not like yeah. an a, a abbreviated name. Yeah, the next segment will be Corey being a dick to me. <laughs> he always is. Um, <laughs> so we'll start with Corey. Corey, what movies uh, did you watch in the past week uh, after we filmed our last episode? Which was great, by the way. Everyone said um, really, really good. And by everyone, I mean yeah. my parents. I, I, I actually <laughs> didn't cringe listening to myself for the first time out of any episodes we listened to. So I think that's a step in the right direction. Um, I'll, I'll still keep private some of the horror movies that I watched that I maybe hope to touch on later in the episode. But I still watched a lot of good things over the past week. Uh, Sam, you and I actually got the chance to spend some time in person since we last recorded, which was adorable and, and much needed for my, my well-being. Uh, and uh, we got a chance to watch Mulholland Drive, and so I don't, I don't know if 
uh, Dan or some of you guys have seen that film, but yeah, I've seen it. Uh, I've not very um very interesting film. One that I think Sam and I probably differ from the majority on, but uh, I, one I'm definitely I glad I agree to say that. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one. We don't we can uh, that's probably one that if we ever did like a director's type episode, we could talk about David Lynch and get into that mm -hmm. film. But uh, that one was very interesting. Uh, watched the latest Borat, which I'm sure we all loved. I think we all watched that in the past week, right? I haven't. And yet. the last yeah. one I'll just mention really quick, Come on, um, just because I don't. We'll talk about it late in the episode. Is I watched this movie today called Tigers Are Not Afraid. It was a movie I was really excited to watch. I saw the trailer for it a couple of years ago in theaters. It's produced by Guillermo del Toro, and it's a Mexican horror film. Uh, and it's about these children and how they've sort of uh, been affected by uh, the, the cartel wars in Mexico. And so it's it's really interesting because it has this sort of like social impact lens, despite being this horror film and, and, and all that. And isn't there, there's just no worse feeling than really looking forward to a movie, especially looking forward to a movie for years on end, and then just being wholly disappointed by that movie. This this movie was just mm -hmm. such a letdown. I, I, um, I guess I went in expecting a Guillermo del Toro movie because it has his name attached to it and because it does kind of relate to a lot of what he's done in the past. Um, it's by this director, Issa Lopez. Um, I think she has a lot of potential, but I'll just leave it at that. It was, it was just a letdown of a movie that didn't really, um, didn't really come together coherently, I'll say. Um, and I was very disappointed by that. That's what I watched this week. What else do you guys watch? We are now to Dane. He will right, talk so. about movies, and he will talk very quickly. And if he doesn't, he will get muted. Okay. Well, I also watched Borat 2, and I'll just touch on the movies that I watched uh, that are horror um, very briefly. I watched The Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Insidious, and um, um, what's it fucking called? Um invaders of the body snatchers invasion oh yeah my bad i know i was like i, was like, I couldn't even remember what it was called and i had just watched it <laughs> dane that was really well done i'm very proud of you we are now <laughs> on to samir uh it was a very productive week for me i ended up watching quite a few films um i watched the trial of the chicago seven um, on Netflix, I checked that out, and um, interesting movie. I didn't quite enjoy it as much as probably the majority, um, but you know, that's that's that, I guess. I snatched a movie off of Corey's list, and I watched a movie called Embrace of the Serpent. Obsessed with it. If Sam and Dane, if you haven't checked it out, this movie. Now that I've had like four or five days to let it marinate in my being um yeah that's that's definitely an all-time favorite of mine so good so it's a black and white movie about the amazon jungle. no 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 you're not explaining it that is <laughs> well, Samir, that, unbelievable that no. that's all i'm gonna say okay cool say. Okay. and i'm very that sounds great sam's like sam is now the side of this movie podcast is not about movies it's just, it's just about words <laughs> um and then if you I even out describe a movie, you're off the podcast. <laughs> I checked out Election, which is the movie I've been meaning to watch. He's um, like, we don't talk about the movies. Don't do that. 
Um, and then lastly, I'm going to say I checked out uh, – well, okay, I checked out two other ones. I checked out Hubie Halloween, which was a masterpiece. Um, I'll be talking a lot more about that. And then yeah. <laughs> I checked out No – God, what's that Tom Holland movie that came out recently with Robert Pattinson? I forgot the, the name. Devil, that, devil, uh, the Devil, Blink, yeah, Devil. Yeah, the Devil all the time. So the very fact that I forgot the name probably says volumes about how I feel about that movie. Yeah. So probably, yeah, those were the five I watched. Didn't really like any of them that much except Embrace the Serpent, which I was obsessed with. Okay. Well done. Uh, besides that part where you almost described a movie, that was really well done. Sam, I yeah. literally gave like a one-line cue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he said that he did that as efficiently as one possibly could. Yeah, she was impressed by some and now I'm gonna, standards. And now right. I'm going to talk about Eraserhead for 12 minutes. No. Uh, <laughs> so watched both Borat and Mulholland Drive with Corey. Uh, and now, uh, because in preparation for this episode, uh, I have watched very few horror movies. I spent the past three days and I watched 10 horror movies. My brain is absolute mush now. I'll just run through them real quick. Um, I watched The Thing, I watched Eraserhead, I watched Till Dusk Till Dawn, I watched uh, The Shining, I watched um, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, I watched Carrie, and I watched Halloween, um, and I watched Eraserhead. You said- well, I wish I had an award to give you, Sam, for all of those. For, yeah, yeah and I'm especially knowing how you feel about horror coming into tonight. Yeah, and we're. <laughs> yeah, honestly, um, spending my day off yesterday, I'd work off yesterday, and spending it watching five horror movies in a in a day was the last the last thing I ever want to do with the day off, ever again. <laughs> um, we'll never do that. We'll never do that again. So, um, that takes us to. Oh, oh, the hot take. We'll just do really quick. You have to rapid-fire hot take. It, the segment's called This is a Hot Take. You cannot argue it, um, as I said before. Uh, rapid-fire hot take, and no one can argue with it, and no one can even respond to it or even make any reaction to it. Okay, Dane, go. The Wolf of Wall Street is overrated. Really hot take, but... Corey. I was... Um... Joker is the worst movie of the last five years. Samir. Raging Bull is a middlingly average movie. Hard to agree. Um, mine is that Borat 2 is the best movie that was truly also released negative. in 2020. Okay. <laughs> I think those well, are some pretty average hot takes. Sam's the only one to say a movie's good. <laughs> I... Yeah, and, on the- I, and I'm the last one to say something is good, so I don't know what you guys are on and what I'm on. Maybe my maybe my outlook is yeah. subverted after watching ten horror movies in three days. Um, so now we go to the movie draft, and for people who are unaware what movie drafts are, um, it's where you draft, um, like how you know NFL and NBA sports teams draft players. We draft movies. So once a movie is picked, it's off the board and no one else can pick it. And at the end, um, we pick, as a group, we all vote for who we think had the best um, movie draft, like who had the best movies in all of them. And that person is the winner. 
So for the categories of movies we're drafting, we are drafting movies from the uh, 70s through the uh, 10s, so up until this last decade, as well as a wild card, which means you can draft from any any year, so you can double up on one decade, essentially. Once you draft a movie from, say, the 80s, for example, um, you can't draft another movie from the 80s unless it's your wild card. And you must draft a movie from every decade. So you can't have, like, five movies from the 80s, which was, we'll get to it, but probably one of the best decades for horror movies. Um, You must draft from each category. And I will have the spreadsheet up, guys, um, that shows um, who who is drafting when. This is also a snake draft, meaning that it goes one through four. And then the fourth person who picks is also the fifth pick, and it goes like a snake. Uh, you know, you know how they move, right, Dane? Um, can you show me? Woo! Just like that. It's a ghost snake. Um, yeah. other rules. Uh, you can argue that a movie is a horror movie, and we will vote. You need to make sure that one other person agrees with you on your argument. Otherwise, it is deemed not a horror movie, and you cannot pick it. Uh, Luckily for us, horror is a very broad genre, um, and we'll probably, as the night will go on and the draft goes on, we will probably have uh, discussions about how this genre has changed a lot and how a lot of movies uh, might fall under the banner that we might not think of. All right, we are back um, after that commercial break from our new sponsors. Uh, Samir, do you want to tell people about our new sponsors? It Letterbox. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, Film Bros United has has donated a lot of money to us, um, so we can get Film Bros their, of America. Yeah, Film Bros of America. It's a super pack. Um, <laughs> we are just peddlers to their propaganda. Um. But I'm going to open it up to the group and ask them uh, how they enjoyed uh, both creating their draft as well as their opinions on this exercise and, you know, just in general, their opinions on horror movies and how the genre has changed throughout the years. Because this is a a long time frame, but it could have been bigger by all accounts. There's uh, some great movies left off by only doing the 70s through the 10s. And Corey's going to talk first. I mean, I so I think I am a little different from everybody else here in that I'm not like this like horror nut. Like I'm not obsessed with horror, but nor do You're I not hate like other it boys. Uh, <laughs> right. I'm a little different. Um, but I always like like I've always been intrigued by horror, and I, I guess I just haven't always found the right horror movies, or at least um, I found some, and at times not I haven't. Some of my favorite movies are horror movies, but some of my least favorite movies are horror movies. In the past few weeks, however, preparing for this, I've watched some of my new favorite movies. Like I, that is what I think I love about horror is that, at its best, horror is everything that cinema should be. If that makes sense, it's it score is so essential to horror, 
and sound in general is, is so central to horror. The way something is framed is so central to horror. I mean, being successful as a horror movie requires a mastery of everything that film does in a way that not every other genre necessarily calls for. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna answer this question with a question of my own. That is, <laughs> so what what makes a horror movie good? So is a horror movie like is the best horror movie the scariest movie necessarily, or is it the best movie? And I say that, I pose that question kind of as a rhetorical, um, of course you guys can answer it, but this was the major dilemma I had with uh, making this, or like making my list and making my picks, because to be honest, I'm a really tough guy and I eat nails for breakfast and I'm not scared, I'm not scared by many things. Uh, I feel like there's been like genuinely two movies in my entire life that have evoked this biological reaction society is labeled fear. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, it's it's interesting because, so then what makes a good, so then you have something like Hereditary or something like that, where it's lauded as like, okay, this is a great movie, but critics generally praise like the family drama at the core of that movie or other things at the core of that movie. So the question, the central dilemma I had in this whole process was figuring out, scary versus good and does scary equal good so i'm interested interested to hear your guys thoughts on that it's actually a really good question i know i i made fun of you the entire time you were talking samir but i would say i would say um my favorite horror movies are ones i was not all that scared by um which is maybe i'm deriving the wrong things from the movies and i'm just picking movies that don't make me scared because i'm a little piss baby but like in general, I find that the horror movies that make me think more than terrify me are the ones that are... It's less of, like, the visceral, like, thrill ride, like, like response, more of the, like, oh, shit. Like, that's crazy. Or you're thinking about it days after the fact. You've seen yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That's how... That's exactly how it is for me. Like, the my number one picks for each decade, I'm not going to say what they are, but they're all movies that right now. <laughs> um, but they're all movies that aren't necessarily the most like jump scare scary or just you know, like what you would think of with like an insidious or your typical blockbuster nowadays. They're all movies that kind of give you something to think about and are much more emotionally involved than most mainstream horror movies, which I think go for the let's get the cheap jumps jump scare over actually something that's well written and thought out. Yeah, I mean, I would like to I would like to say real quick though they're not mutually exclusive though. I think right. like what, I think that's you don't you don't sa- you don't sacrifice it being scary for it being good. Like that's not Oh yeah, I, yeah. My, my scary point, doesn't equal good and good doesn't equal scary, but I don't think uh, they can't contribute to one another. Yeah, I think they're prob- normally highly correlated. Like I think, and I also think, I mean, it's kind of gives back to what I was saying earlier about horror being, when done right, like cinema at its fullest, is because, you know, whether or not you think that movie is good, if a movie can elicit a genuine fear response from you, and I'm talking about fear that goes beyond like a jump scare, because I do think jump scares are a sort of um, cheap way to elicit fear and something that really any any like you and I would could edit a scene like that tomorrow because you just kind of know the the beats of a, of a jump scare. 
movies like you know if you can't tell hereditary is gonna be a highly sought after movie in this draft because we're gonna keep referencing back to it but movies like hereditary it's not really the jump scares although there are a few it's more the like the sense of dread that that movie can make you feel and that i do think that if a horror movie can pull off that feeling is probably a good movie and it's probably doing something right because that is a really difficult thing to make a person feel to make a person feel uncomfortable and still want to watch your movie it's a really difficult like line to walk but the fact that horror as a genre is the rare genre that can pull it off is a testament to, to how powerful the genre can be yeah i want to piggyback off that real quick yeah i think yeah, well i i, I was just going to add that okay. i think horror is a completely unique genre in the sense that it's dealing like its goal and its challenge i think might be higher than the other genres like comedy romance whatever and i say that because with horror you're dealing with a skeptical audience because when we buy a ticket for a comedy movie or a romance movie we buy it because we're spending the money we want to laugh we want to be moved we want to do all these things but rarely ever is it that like oh i want to you know show that my outward fear and like tell everyone in the theater that i'm scared as shit because there's i think naturally with fear there's like a little bit of shame and embarrassment there so it's kind of interesting with the fact that like with horror sets up everybody wants to be like you know whenever they're truly scared it's kind of like oh you got me moment where it's like okay but nobody wants to be got so their defenses are up whenever you're watching the movie that's why with horror movies you can always be like oh don't go in that door oh yeah i know how this is going to end you're so you're so trying to figure it out throughout the whole time just to prove to that you is know, why you know. i think with horror I think one thing that I'm curious to see the kind of movies that we pick today is I think there is, this is true with every genre, but there's like an unfair pressure for films to be sort of high art and high brow. And I think especially horror gets that distinction. I mean, think about franchises like, like Child's Play or, or like Hellraiser. I mean, they've made like 12 fucking Child's Play sequels with, with the Chucky doll, Bride of Chucky and all this crap. And those are at this point, like, but those are all like B movies, you know, like they're not yeah. like these big budget fairs and horror gets, I think a that gets that split a little bit more. And the only reason I bring that up is because sometimes I worry that we're like, we couldn't possibly consider um, a scary movie like those, uh, you know, those, those child's play sequels to be a good movie, but, but maybe they are, you know what I mean? I'm not saying they are. Honestly, I haven't, I haven't seen all of them. Like, I think that is your hot take. No, no. But my, my point being is that, there's, I think horror more than other genres deals with this like high art versus low art sort of yeah. uh, battle. And I think kind of to, to your point, Samir, like uh, if a movie is successful in, in scaring its audience, I mean, I'm thinking of, think about how big of a cultural phenomenon paranormal activity was. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Those aren't, those, like, I don't think any of us really think of those as great movies, but they clearly were something successful and of a time and um, maybe not high art, maybe they were even low art, but they were, they were a successful take on the genre. I just, I, don't know, I think horror, or I think horror, sets up a more difficult dichotomy in that way. Yeah, I mean your point, your point of the time when you said like paranormal activity was scary at the time brings up one of throughout the night. Everyone, I will be going through my six reasons why I do not like horror movies and why I will not be uh, convinced that they're good. Uh, but it brings up, well, we'll just do point number one, which is that. Horror movies tend to age absolutely horribly because um, things like comedies, what was scary or slash funny then 
uh, tend to be less scary or funny now. Um, there are obviously human universals to fear and things that elicit scary things. Like, yes, there was movies I watched from the 70s this this uh, week that were still somewhat scary. Um, but there is a sense of, of aging that I think a lot of movies, and maybe that is the skepticism uh, that viewers are coming in with, but that is one of the main reasons why I'm not a huge fan of the genre. All right, who wants to bully me? <laughs> I mean, Sam. I I find that I think that's a really interesting, specific no, argument to levy towards horror, just because I actually think that fear is one of the rare uh, elements of of uh, like of anything, but especially a film that does kind of remain a constant. I mean, you sort of admitted that yourself, and you think about some of the effects and some of the the visuals you get in a even something as old as like a Night of the Living Dead. In the '60s, but especially um, pretty much anything from the '80s. I mean, that shit's like even if it's. I understand why evolutions of like editing and, and like CGI and stuff might make it more immediately scary now in a way that we're more used to. But those things are still pretty fucking scary, and I and still are of the same kind of scary that we're looking for now. Yeah, the example I'll give is the fly because that transformation scene and just the way he walks around and. Everything about the movie is just so grotesque and creepy. Yeah, I'm hoping we talk about a lot of Cronenberg tonight. That that would that'd be a good episode in my book. Okay, well, it sounds yeah. like you guys didn't really give a good counter argument to me, so I'm gonna take that as debate number <laughs> okay. one. one by Sam. Um, Whoa, wait a minute. Let me let me throw my towel. Okay, whatever. Uh, I'm gonna jump in real quick. So, in your in your thing about um them not aging poorly just wanted to add the point of um i think like movies like halloween and like night on elm street and like all these movies the fact that you know, there's still freddy krueger masks and like all of that going on and like suspiria which was recently remade by luca guadagnano and um the fact that all these movies are still being remade like wasn't it one girl from parks and rec in like a chucky movie child's play Robert or whatever Clause right child's play so like they're still sticking with these storylines. So I would actually maybe just as a as a counterpoint to you say that they might um at least they they maintain relevance. I don't know about but I think you were trying to say more of like like a technical effect side, but I think in terms of like story and cultural relevance like they're among the best genres oh, yeah, I mean, staying relevant. Samir expand your your argument. I mean, you could expand it through all of human history. Think about something like vampires or mummies yeah. or or zombies these are concepts that are not just like 50 60 years old these are like literally thousands of years old i mean some of what we could define as scary is literally been around since the, the dawn of man i mean that's like, that's pretty heady shit when you really think about it so it's right. no, no good counterpoints so we're on to the draft <laughs> good stuff everyone good good opening debate um I've already explained the rules. I might splice in the rules now, and we'll do it that way. Um, just before we start, is anyone hazy on any rules? Or we we can always... Mirror isn't now, but I'm sure he will be later. <laughs> I will figure it out. It's going to be a work in progress. I'm sorry. So I'm going to share yeah. my screen. It's going to be a trial and error. You're going to randomize this draft order, Sam? Yeah, and look at how I do it here. Okay, so... Uh, for our viewers, we have a spreadsheet open, 
and I'm going to randomize the range. Oh. Fucking mute my this horrible flick. How do you power off a, a Android? Be a power button on the side. Press you hold the on. Button. Okay, I did it. Good job. Um, so we are going to randomize the range. Can everyone see? Yes. Yeah. Samir gets first pick. Ah. Dan gets second pick. Sam gets third pick, and Corey gets fourth pick. So Samir, we are on to the first overall pick of the horror movie, uh, mediocre film bro music draft. Exciting. Music draft. Just all the words in that one. Just all of them. It's really eloquent how they made that name. Samir, what is the first pick? I'm excited to start and. I will, before I start, I'll be giving a monologue on Hubie Halloween. No, <laughs> okay, my pick is going to be 480s, okay? And it's going to mm-hmm. be The Shining. The Shining, off the, the board first. first. Shining. Um, yeah, interestingly enough, this is at number one on that Letterboxd 1000 horror films. I don't know if I quite agree with that, but I will say I really, really love this movie. Because I think that it's one of those, like, earlier on in the episode, we kind of talked about this debate of good movie versus um, scary movie, how they might not be mutually exclusive. I think this is, you know, pure horror film, Stephen King adaptation, even though he interestingly hated the movie adaptation of it. And it's a Kubrick film, which is like a double whammy for me. I think this movie is gorgeous. Like I said last week when we talked about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Next, I uh, nest. I absolutely love Jack Nicholson. I love that guy. So third whammy. Um, the precision, the precision Stanley Kubrick puts into every single take. You can see that in this uh, movie, and the fact that it's like reading about it even now, um, like about like the crazy lengths he went to in in terms of like picking the kid with the perfect Midwestern accent for it. Um, Obviously, like the image of like the two girls in that alleyway still keeps on popping up in movies and TV shows, and it's still easily parodied. Um, there was also a movie that came out last year, last year called Red Rum or something. Um, so, Doctor Sleep. Yeah, Doctor yeah, Doctor Sleep. Doctor Sleep. Yeah. Still using the Shining lore, but I guess it's more Stephen King lore. Um, anyways, love the Shining. Uh, I think that. I don't know if anybody would debate me as making this a first-round pick. I don't know. Interested to hear your thoughts. No, I, I, I thought it would go in this first round. It was just a matter of where. I mean, it's the, I would say it's, the, it's considered the best horror movie of the 80s. It's not my favorite. I'm just not a big, I'm just not a big Kubrick fan, honestly. Um, but I do think this is among his best. And this is, this is still a scary movie. Um, oh, yeah. Not... Not that scary because horror movies don't age well, but like still scary for you know like the dumb people that were alive in the eighties. Right? Hey, don't you love? Don't you like love The Shining? The Shining. Yeah. Oh dang! Yeah, no, I I love The Shining. Um, and Sam, I could dis cannot disagree. I guess not. Di- wait, I really disagree with you. Is what I'm gonna. Is oh, okay. Because, uh, I was gonna say maybe a beacon of light that someone's gonna finally agree with me. Type thing and yeah. But no, I definitely disagree with you. I think The Shining ages very well. I think it yeah. is 
so scary. I have watched it within the past year. I was still creeped out. Yeah. You guys seen the documentary Room 237? Yeah, I was about to say that. It's got... for a, a horror movie, it's got maybe some of the best lore ever. Yeah. Like that, the entire documentary is is so yeah. good. It's so interesting. Yeah, I mean that documentary is just like, and this is why I guess, I mean I'm the I'm just like such an asshole when it comes to these kinds of movies. When I watch, especially that documentary, I love The Shining and I still do. But I don't know that I get there, that's the kind of movie that invites so much interpretation. And I remember watching that documentary and it, almost just being turned off by it. Like by the end of that documentary, you could either be like holy shit, Kubrick's a genius. Or you could just be like, there's no way Kubrick actually intended as much as this documentary wants to believe that he did. And you're just kind of, you kind of are over the whole thing, you know? Uh, the Shining, just in terms of that discourse around it, uh, makes it a really fascinating film. I think one that'll live on for a really, really, really long time, as it already has. Yeah. Endlessly you're on. Movies on Family Guy. Yeah, that that actually is a really funny episode of Family Guy. <laughs> um, Dane, you are now with your first overall pick of the horror draft. Okay, I'm gonna go with uh, my '90s pick, and that's gonna be uh, Silence of the Lambs. I'm, Damn it. I... Yeah, I I mean personally think it is the best out of any horror movie to come out of the '90s, and. One best picture, not that it means that makes it a good movie or anything like that, but I mean, Clarice is such an what we are the biggest Oscar fans, so I think it holds yeah, some yeah. weight. <laughs> it really does. No, but from everything to like Hannibal Lecter is terrifying. Um, what is it? Is it Anthony Hopkins? Yeah, his performance is so unnerving. And the first time you're introduced to him, when he Clarice goes around the corner and he's just staring at her, is so unsettling and that's what the entire movie is is just unsettling horror yeah yeah so i for some reason in my mind i don't think horror when i think this movie first so i was honestly wondering if this was going to bring up a debate whether it's a thriller or a horror and what the difference between the two is because i'm not sure i know what the difference between a thriller and a horror still are well i I think it definitely leans into thriller range, but I do think moments like the end of the movie when Clarice is in um, Buffalo Bill's house and it's all black and white. Yeah, that that scene is really scary. And I think too, like the movie, almost leaning into a gore aspect and the the cop getting strung up and all that, like. That to me was more, more, more fear emotion for like being afraid of Hannibal rather than. It, no, I mean, are I you think, guys hearing feedback or anything? Yeah, yeah we could kind of hear you. Kind of lagging out. We'll let we'll let Corey get on while your internet resets itself. Good. Corey, wait. wait oh, sorry. It was, it was just, I was just wasn't sure if we were still lagging. Um. No, I mean, I think the Silence of the Lambs, it's a horror thriller. Like, that is, uh, is like, exactly the genre that it is, which is why I'm, I'm comfortable calling it a horror movie. To me, thrillers are, like, they're just anything that um, can be anxiety-inducing or put you on the edge of your seat, which can often just be a superhero thriller, an action, any sort of action thriller. Thrillers have the luxury of sort of slapping on an extra genre, if, if that makes sense. So, yeah. Silence of the Lambs is squarely a horror thriller. 
it's an adverb genre as they call it and by they i mean me i just came up with that term it's a great term okay on to sam for the third overall pick of the horror draft we will ask samir's opinion on silence of the lambs because i forgot to uh I just think it's it's a phenomenal movie. I, I think it definitely would qualify as a horror. Um, I don't really have much to say about it, and I don't want to eat up time, but great movie. All right. Um, I, I also agree. It's, uh, it's definitely one of my favorite horrors of all time, uh, one of the ones that is good. So before I pick my third overall pick, I will bring up my next opinion as to why I don't like horror movies, and that is... Um, because I am a baby. Uh, I am Finally, a baby. we agree. I am, <laughs> I am a big baby. You, okay, so, like, you know when you're, you're like, high, like, high school used to, like, throw haunted houses for, like, some charity or something? And you'd all go with your friends, and then you'd finish it, and there'd be that one kid that was like, Wait, that wasn't even scary. I can't believe people even get scared. That's not even fucking scary. Like, I can't believe anyone would even be scared. Like, you'd have to be such a bitch. Like that was me. That was me because I was, I was like on the verge of tears leading up to it every single time, and I just don't like the feeling of being scared. And I watch movies to feel a reprieve from, uh, from like scariness and anxiety. Like I don't want to feel anxious watching a movie if I'm already so anxious as is, and then. All horror movies do is make me feel anxious, and I just sit there, and I watched five hours. I watched ten hours of fucking anxiety-inducing <laughs> films yesterday, and was like, "This is miserable. Why does anyone like this?" Like how your your like your four-word reason turned into like like a, a vent session. <laughs> <laughs> and then they all laughed at me, and I cried a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, mean, I do think you bring up a valid a valid point. It's kind of what Samir got at earlier, which is just that like there's a tendency to want to like resist horror of a horror movie. Um, for me, I guess, and I think this is what's cool about horror is like I can sometimes struggle to connect with like emotions that I'm feeling. Like an emotion could be there, but I may not necessarily recognize it. Or and I think that's common amongst a lot of men. Uh, and I, I I do think that horror films and you know film in general, but I think horror as a genre especially can force you to confront the anxiety that you're feeling or force you to uh, feel sadness or, or fear, whatever it might be. And maybe it's totally valid to not want to feel that thing, but I think, again, it's a testament to the genre. It's powerful enough to make you feel things so strongly. I love that a film can make you feel something intensely. I don't. And with the third yeah. overall pick of the horror movie, <laughs> horror movie, I will... Honestly, I'm surprised this movie got to me already. I thought this was going to be the first overall pick, and I will pick Hereditary. I picked this with great joy because Corey cannot pick this movie. Corey <laughs> fam- famously stole our original movie draft by picking this movie um, in the first round and acting like it was the greatest pick in the history. Yeah, you know, I get- it, but like, it really worked. You yeah, gotta admit about- that. It really worked. Yeah, oh, yeah you're, did you're so annoying. Uh, we'll yeah. have an episode dedicated. We should have an honestly. Yeah. <laughs> we should have an episode dedicated to that movie. Just explaining why we all we should have won. Um, it was that was a really fun time. But I yeah. do think Hereditary is my all-time favorite horror movie. Um, it is 
like Corey talked about and how um like there are obviously like the supernatural scary parts of the movie to me what's most terrifying is tony collette's relationship with alex wolf like that has always been the scariest part of it and how um it is just it, it, it's essentially a family drama that has horrific um both um you know circumstances as well as um the way it's portrayed um i think it is unbelievably interesting and gripping and at times i was instead of being you know my usual piss baby like scared of the movie i was more interested in how ari aster evoked the emotions that he was evoking like the technique he did with you know like how you can kind of see something in the background but you can't really and it's just like the uneasiness and just i'm Corey talked about it but the existential dread that comes out it's just like tony collette screaming after her daughter is decapitated which is still to this day like i knew there was a scene with a pole but until you watch that scene with the pole you have never seen a scene with a pole like the scene with the pole in that movie which has a pole scene and it's crazy and it's one of the most brutal and sad and phenomenal like it was one of the movies where i was like this is why people like horror like i finally get it um love the movie and peanut allergies too that's a, no, yeah. a big yeah. part of that some good representation there yeah yeah i, think uh, I, I yeah. say this all the time but i don't know if i said it on this podcast but the scariest scene in that movie and one of the scariest scenes in any movie ever is when tony collette is yelling at her son at the table and it's because like you allude to sam the biggest sense of dread and fear in that movie doesn't come from a lot of the still interesting, you know, like, like demonic cult stuff. It comes from just the domestic drama. And that is a testament to Ari after in his direction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you guys pretty much nailed the head with it. I think hereditary is phenomenal. And yeah, you guys nailed it. Listen, it's not going to get you any points for complimenting me, but well, (laughs) I'm not going to say much here because I feel very strongly about its uh, follow-up, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still kind of lukewarm on Hereditary. Um, really? Yeah, maybe that should have been my hot take, but That's I think part of it is that I kind of view it, Hereditary is a good time to my uncut gems in the sense that I just think its follow-up to me, for me, is just so much, like, far superior. So... Warm for me, but I think once we get to the midsummer pick, we will talk about that movie more. Um, whoever picks that, but um, swear to god, there is a debate as long as Samir doesn't pick midsummer, I'll be all right because that will save us about 45 minutes on the episode. More than that, that. I'm ruthless. Samir, you definitely have to dock the amount of time you've already dedicated to that movie. Just it's like repentance. my deleted monologue from last time. <laughs> that part was so funny, though. All right, Corey, we are now to the fourth overall pick of the draft. All right. Well, I first want to say the board did not at all fall the way I would have liked. This is uh, rather unfortunate. Um, but what I'm going to do here is I'm going to use my 70s pick. There's a lot of good choices I could do with the 70s, but I'm going to uh, pick... Oh, maybe the quintessential horror film and pick Halloween. Um, Why did you pick that? I mean, Halloween, to me, 
and I think this is a, is a, is a fair claim, you don't get pretty much any of the films we're going to pick for the rest of this draft without a Halloween. It is really, when you think of a horror film, you think of Michael Myers, you think of this film, uh, it, it's probably, it probably invented this sort of slasher genre. Um, and I think it did it with a lot more craft and technique than we are often are willing to admit. I think a lot of people think of it as, oh, just that old slasher movie. But some of those first-person shots of, of Michael Myers um, were, were incredibly creative and inventive at the time. And I still think add a lot to the fear factor even watching it today. Obviously, the score is so iconic. It's composed by John Carpenter, who um, always makes sure music is essential to his, his films. I mean, I, I hope this ends up being the case by the time I'm done drafting, but I think we'll see as we go on how important a score is to a film or is to a horror film um, because Halloween is a perfect example of that. It definitely has the best score of anything that's been drafted so far. And there's some good scores up there already with Hereditary and The Shining especially. The score is really, really good in Halloween. I, that, was one of, that was one of the movies I watched in the past three days and it really still is scary. I was still anxious the entire time watching it. Um, I'll, I'll bring up my, my biggest gripe with it and my next point of why I don't like horror movies in general. Um, but for what it is, it, it does it pretty much perfectly. In terms of, um, I guess, like, you know, deep dive analysis, which we tend to enjoy in films, I wouldn't pretend that Halloween has, has the most as far as horror films go. Um, but I do think it really laid out a template that John Carpenter proved on throughout his career and that so many horror directors um, really took to heart over the next couple of decades. Yeah, I mean, it really was like a, a trailblazer for, for horror movies, inspiring so many, like the slasher genre in, in general. It was very, certainly historic for the genre. Yeah. Should I go to my next pick? Uh, no, Samir, what's your opinions on Halloween? Great movie. Um, it's, it's, it's just been too long since I've seen it. I'm sure I agree with you guys, given just its cultural relevance and effect, but it's just been like, literally, I think it's been six years since I've seen Halloween, so I don't have much to say there. I'll pr- I tend to rewatch it every Halloween. I'm hoping to rewatch it again this Halloween, too. I got to see it a couple of years ago. They did a screening at Row. They actually do it every, every Halloween. They do a screening at Row House Cinema in Lawrenceville. Uh, and I remember I went, I think it was freshman year of college and it was it was a lot of fun while we're on this movie what did you think i didn't get to watch it yet but what did you think of the danny mcbride one that came out two years ago i was a fan i, I actually really like very different from this one but it makes and they're, you know they're making a sequel to that one too. i think it's gonna be a trilogy maybe right i've i've been meaning to check that one out specifically because i'm obsessed with danny mcbride and david gordon green and all that so. yeah i definitely recommend it well, Corey, I think it's you again. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to go with a movie here that I didn't think I was going to pick, but um, I know it certainly won't get back if I don't pick it now. And I am going to select Ari Aster's Midsummer as my. Bro! Oh my God. That was terrifying, Samir. <laughs> oh, that was. That was the scariest part of this podcast. Oh. Yeah, I mean, guys, like, we really are so lucky to live at the same time as Ari Aster. I mean, seriously. Like, like I mean, this guy, he's one great film away from establishing himself as a, a top 10 director of, of all time. I mean, he's already created two absolute masterpieces in a genre. The way we, we can say that's true of guys like Ingmar Bergman and um, 
and you know David Cronenberg and John Carpenter, these names we keep talking about, Ari Aster is very rapidly like elevating himself into that tier. I'd, I'd say he just needs one, maybe two more films of that similar quality to really, really to cement it. And that's kind of you know why I'm picking Midsummer here. Midsummer is a movie that I've gone back and forth on a lot, but sometimes I feel like I'm overthinking it. I mean, this movie is fucking bonkers, and it's it's such a a feat in filmmaking in so many ways. I mean, so, I mean, Samir. I guess we never listeners never got to hear Samir's rant about this last week, but uh, yeah, I'm it, it really is incredible to pull off so much fear in a such a bright daylit setting. Uh, the fact that it's as funny as it is, I think that you know one thing we might notice as we go on pick more films too is there is an interesting relationship between horror and comedy, in that horror can be really funny sometimes. Uh, and Midsummer is an example of that. It's a very funny movie, but an incredibly bleak movie. It works as just a sort of fairy tale in a way. I mean, it works on a lot of different layers. Um, I don't think we need to go into it too much. At least I don't need to, because I'm sure Samir's about to uh, do it for me. But uh, as great as the 2010s have been for horror, I think we kind of think of it as like a renaissance of horror. It's a pretty common phrase you sort of hear nowadays about the horror genre in the last you know 10 years or so. It, it was really the end of the decade, I think, where it really took off, and that's led in a huge part by Hereditary and Midsummer. I bestow my time to Samir to talk about this movie. We can save my opinion and give Samir his the time. Yes. Okay. Well, I just said Corey just became my number one enemy of all or time. Or you became mine when I read your election review this morning on Letterboxd. Right. Well, okay. Here's what I'll say. Um, Midsummer might gut reaction might be my favorite horror movie of all time um and that's just what the heart wants and i think what it is you know obviously i talked at length about it but here's what i'll say so much about horror is what is personally scary to you and as an anthropology major and the whole the whole movie is about like these anthro grad students there what is so scary personally to me like even before this movie came out, the stuff that I always have nightmares about, because I feel like I have recurring nightmares, and the recurring nightmares I have are about like alt societies that are set in like in like those Nordic places. And the reason I say that is because as a kid, I would never go into IKEA. Like and I like Every time my parents would go there, I just wouldn't because something about like the little O on top of the A's and the two yeah, dots yeah. and stuff like scared me to no end. I just don't know why. <laughs> it was just a personal thing. Um, awesome. Like they had, like, they had like a weird IKEA cafeteria there, and everyone used to be like, "Damn, like that's where they put people that can't escape <laughs> out of IKEA. <laughs> like if you can't get out, of yeah, pretty good." Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've heard, I've heard they're pretty good, and they have some pretty good cookies there. But even like the minimalist architecture of IKEA, I'm talking about IKEA too much. All right, Midsummer. I think enough has been said about this movie. I think the fact that it's a daylight horror movie and you can see everything that you're scared of, and the fact that it's just so beautiful and the montages and the way that it weaponizes its length. Um, okay. I should probably stop myself, but no, no, no. I I, this these are all good. Like fuck IKEA, we we like that. Yeah. I will say my one my one favorite thing about Midsummer is wait wait can I just get a quick reaction? Is the ending a happy ending in your opinion? Yes or no? 
Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's it a happy ending, which is so amazing. Yeah. Like because it is such a fucked up movie, and nothing goes right the entire time. Everyone is miserable, and at the end, I was like, I was strangely like, oh, she's cathartic. <laughs> well, the fact that the movie gets you to buy into that ending. Yeah, like, it has to work so hard to make you think that's a good ending. I mean that, right? Like that should be a what the fuck just happened? Like that is not what a, a good thing at all type of ending. But the fact that we unanimously agree on that is a testament to the journey you're taking on from beginning to end. It is kind of crazy too, because like there's the suicide scene where they jump off the cliff, and like your your gut reaction, what like a little maybe halfway through the movie, a little less than halfway is just disgust. And then the end of the movie ends, and essentially it's another sacrifice and you're just like, all right with it. Yeah. It's good catharsis now. Yeah. Even the cliff jump scene. Okay. Maybe this is, I don't know if you guys have felt the same, but maybe like a month or so after I watched the movie, I was like, wait a minute. If there were cultures that did that, would I judge them for it? Because after like what? 75, I mean, there's been a lot of debate about, like, obviously it's horrible to think we should just kill everyone over 75 or anything. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But, like, I don't know. Like, the, the way that... Elder How is that about your hot take about the episode? Okay, <laughs> the way that elder people are treated in, like, and, like, and stuff, I just think it's just, it's an interesting cultural practice that seems really... Oh, definitely. I definitely agree with that, yeah. You know, like, yeah. especially because it's so tied to their beliefs about it with the seasons and stuff like that. And, like, the fact that I think one of the quotes in the movie was that yeah i mean life just kind of ends after 75 just i mean that that really hit home for me um yeah yeah i think it is it is such a it's such a good movie and it and it brings up um no it doesn't it brings up nothing it brings up my next pick <laughs> and but before we get our next pick we get reason number three why i don't like horror movies the third reason being the lack of motives of the antagonist. That's right. In too many movies, I'm not saying every single horror movie, but I'm saying the majority of them, the, the motive is he's psycho and he needs to kill, or it's a creature and it needs to kill. And there is just nothing interesting to me about an antagonist that's only driving force is to kill. And I know, you know, to Corey's point about are we looking too deep into horror movies... Well, that's my, like, I, ca I care deeply about the motivations of the characters. And when it's just, like, my point about Halloween, like, I was like, Halloween was a good movie, but Michael Myers has nothing to him besides he wants to kill. And that's why I don't love slasher films. I don't love many horror movies because I think that the antagonists tend to just be one note. Okay, boys. How am I wrong on this one? <laughs> I would just say I think your 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 point has it's it's the best point you've made so far. Yeah, I think this is the most fair reason that you've had. But I think it is the distinction I would make in horror films is it's not necessarily always fair to view them the way you would view another genre with this sort of like protagonist versus antagonist kind of setup. I mean, something like Halloween, even yes, of course, Michael Myers is the antagonist, but um, I'm not really sure that that our investment in the film is about that conflict so much as it's about the tension or it's about the um, our, our our relationship to like just being fucking terrified by this thing. 
So whereas other films, I do think clear intentions and clear motivations are required in order to, to like suss out the conflict. I don't think that is the conflict in a horror film. A horror film is, is about that tension. At least that's how I find myself usually investing in them. I'm not like, like, I don't know. I, I guess my relationship to them is less story driven maybe. Yeah, I mean, my connection to them is simply that I'm afraid of them, and that's that's it for me. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I feel like with, with about to win a debate, let's fucking go. Stop, no, I, I, I mean, I with with the movies that I have written down, like I really, I you connect with the main character. I feel like you you understand the protagonist in the situation because you can r- relate with them over the fear. You're relating with them because you're afraid of the antagonist and so are they. Okay, that was a good point. To Samir. I might kind of piggyback off of Corey and Dane um, with the fact that I think that lack of motivations thing that you're talking about, Sam, might in this weird way be kind of definitive of the genre. Like if I was to say, for example, that might like say that, you know, we found out about Michael Myers flashback and how his wife left him or how he was like he couldn't get hard or something like that. And that's why he has these motivations. Then it would kind of, I would say, kind of bleed into the thriller genre. Like with Silence of the Lambs, like this was a because we get to find out who Hannibal Lecter is and why he's doing the things he's doing and all of this, right? Knowing that's a good good point to me. Knowing eliminates fear. Yeah. But you can also fear. Yeah, like, you could also even argue with Silence of the Lambs that Hannibal Lecter isn't even the pro the antagonist, that Buffalo Bill is more of what you're supposed to be afraid of. I agree. I agree. Okay, good points. Uh, for the what? We're on the sixth pick. Yeah, we're Ten on the sixth pick. Three on these debates, I think. Um, I'm definitely not. I definitely did not lose that last debate because I don't care about a genre in which you're not supposed to care about the story. Um, I'm going to pick with the sixth overall pick my OOO's pick, which is Shaun of the Dead. Hmm. Okay. I wait. Do we agree? This is this can this, this can count, right? Oh, is it S U? No, it's S H A U N. I think. Oh, yeah, really. It's those. It's like that British spelling. Oh, those fuckers. Big fan. We okay with this pick as a horror movie? Yeah, I, like, I know it's. I know, yeah. Like I, I know it's not like the scariest movie ever, and it really is just a comedy first, horror second. But there, there is like some legitimate tense scenes. And like, I I I love this movie. I think it's I think it's really really funny. I think it is the action sequences are great. Like that vinyl player scene is like one of my all time favorite scenes in movies. It's so funny, uh, and so interesting. I just think I love. I'm totally blanking on the director's name, but I just love his it's style right. of. Yeah, just the quick, the quick quick cuts are so much fun to watch, and there's just great flow to this movie. Um, I love Shaun of the Dead. Definitely, for a, a decade in which I didn't watch any horror movies from this decade, really, um, I'm glad this fell, because I was about to have zero picks if someone had picked this movie. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, I'm a pretty... Oh, go ahead, Corey. No, uh, no, you go ahead. All right. Yeah, I mean, I also am a big fan of this movie, and I definitely think it is a horror movie. Um, but yeah, there is something about Edgar Wright's directing with this. I mean, he is 
always one for for quick cuts and, and rapid camera movement. And I think it, even though some of the scenes aren't that scary, like some of the reveals that he has with his quick quick camera movement is is awesome. And overall, just super stylized movie. It's hilarious and. Well, it sounded like sh- Corey was about to shit on my pick. So, Samir, you go next, and then we'll li- have Corey shit on my pick the last. Well, don't worry, because I'm going <laughs> to shit on you, too, for still not spelling it right. Yeah, it's S-H-A-U-N. Wait. S-H-A-U-N. A-U-N? Yeah. Shot on the sheet. You got it. Cool. Thank you. As far as what I think about this movie, yeah, I think, you know, first and foremost, like, 90% it's a comedy. You know, Edgar Wright, he's got that, I think it's called the Cornetto Trilogy because he did Hot Fuzz and yeah. one other movie that kind of it's is flopped, in the trilogy. Yeah, with the flopped, world I don't end. know what the third one is. But the World's End yeah, yeah. is my personal favorite of the three, which is probably... Yeah, I thought World's End, too. It's very funny. I love And Hot they're Fuzz. all, you know, like, they all kind of have the same vibe, like, fast, quick quips here and there, um, very light, very on its feet, um, typical Edgar Wright. If you've seen Baby Driver, that's also kind of like a super quick cuts and everything. And something I want to point out, like, this is an interesting horror pick for, like, a number of reasons. But the fact that you don't see that many quick cuts in, like, horror... I mean, this might just be the fact that it's first and foremost a comedy. But, like, a horror with that many quick cuts is, like, that's um, that's pretty unique. I think yeah. it's a fun movie. Um, I, I wouldn't say that, you know, it's it's up there for me in terms of horror, but... I think the best thing I can say is it's a funny movie and I definitely rewatch it any day of the week. So, Okay, Corey, yeah, no, let's hear I'm going to on the pick the way, the way you thought I was. I mean, I think it is a, this is a great movie. It's a lot of fun. I love Edgar Wright. Um, I'm just, I guess I'm just curious how it'll impact your ability to, to win this, this movie draft. Um, I'm not, I'm, I don't I'm not sure it'll definitely hurt you, but I just, uh, you know, it's, 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 it is horror ten. It's like horror related, but it's not horror um, in and of itself. So it's like think, horror light. So I just think uh, when I'm evaluating overall body of work, I might look for something a little more horror centric. Well, you know, different strokes for different assholes. Okay, Dane. <laughs> Dane, right, you and I. 2000s is a very deep. Uh, Believe it or not, I find it to be a very deep section of of uh, horror films. So I just hate the entire decade for everything. So I just didn't want to spend any time with this decade. Okay, Dane, you're are the seventh pick. You cannot so, pick a '90s movie. Uh, yeah, I picked. I pick well, you one. could if you want a wild card. So uh, going off of horror movies having an having an antagonist that just wants to kill people. I'm going to go with uh, my 70s movie is going to be Jaws. Um, so Jaws, I mean, I'm a big monster movie guy and the movie made history making it the first block summer blockbuster ever breaking in a ton of money and breaking the blockbuster record. So it is incredibly impactful for film in general. I think the movie is very well paced throughout scares um like different climaxes throughout the story where alex kittner gets ripped under the water and torn to shreds or when um hooper goes under the water and the 
fisherman's face like pops through the wood. Uh, I think the movie still holds up. It's still very scary. And I think overall, like technically the movie is so well made. Um, and also talking about scores. I mean, the dun, dun, dun is so iconic now and just really brings the dread that you feel in that movie whenever the shark is around. I agree. This was, um, that's why, why I was a little worried about picking Halloween because the 70s do have other iconic horror movies like Jaws. Uh, so that was, I was really close to picking this one there instead. I definitely could have gone in the first round. I've never seen it, I'm going to be honest. Never seen Jaws? Yeah, I don't... I don't... I've got the... I'm, I'm like, scared at the thought of things being bigger than me in the water. (laughs) Like, Hmm. I think Jaws... I also... I often get the argument people go, oh, the, the shark looks fake. And I'm like, there is something so magical, I think specifically to horror movies, that is also like in the 70s and 80s specifically using like practical effects to do everything i for some reason find like a giant dummy like real shark more terrifying than what a cg shark is like if you look at like 47 meters down i honestly don't think that that's too scary and i think it's partly because the thing that's supposed to be scary isn't real it's not actually there yeah i agree i think that's true of a lot of we'll see that with a lot of the movies we talk about you know, practical visual effects are just so, so, so much better than uh, anything, yeah. um, anything CGI. I mean, and I never thought about the way you just put it, but I actually think that's a really good point that that is probably true is that we're not, you know, if we know it's not actually there, it's harder for it to scare us. But I just found, especially in watching a lot of these 80s movies, some of like the gore and the body horror, while obviously way campier and cornier, affected me so much more viscerally than any sort of cgi i ever see in any movie now yeah and also just going off of that again a movie from the 80s that i recently watched was evil dead 2 and it's a horror comedy but i would definitely say more of a horror movie than a comedy and it uses like completely insane special effects um practical effects throughout the the entire movie uh, an example is there's a, a one point uh, Bruce Campbell's character is trying to shoot a crawling hand in the wall and then he shoots the wall and out of the hole is like just gallons and gallons of blood and that just like spews him in the face and it is so over the top and all the the monsters are all dummies and stuff like that and I, I think it makes for a creepier movie. Cool. Uh, Samir, do you have any experience with Jaws? Uh, I use them to eat every day. They're so fucking annoying. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, again, great movie. I don't think I have anything exceptional or novel to say, so I'm just going to say great movie. Cool. Samir, on to the eighth pick of the movie draft. Well, after Corey's villain... Oh, no. ...my brain was a shambles, so am I lagging? Yeah, you lagged a little there. But now you're good. Well, I said, after Corey's villainous, nefarious tactic, my brain was in shambles. Um, but I was finally, over the course of 15 or so minutes, able to put myself together. And I will be picking from the 2000s, Sam. And I will be picking Pan's Labyrinth. Ooh. 
So oh God. Um, I really, really love this movie. Um, so this is by Guillermo del Toro. Um, and he just has, he has his hand down on the specific thing that I want to dub fairy tale horror. Um, I know we kind of played around with that term in terms of Midsummer, but I think that is that it's almost more apt for his work where it kind of brings this like childlike whimsy to something that's also like Lovecraftian and like super, um, I guess just scary in and of itself. Like some of the beasts or some of the creatures that appear in that movie that he's able to design and think of look so goddamn realistic and are genuinely scary. And as a tough person, I'm saying that they're genuinely scary. So it, it means something. Um, yeah, like, what a great film. And first off, even, like, so we talked about what other things a horror movie can do outside of the things that are directly on its mind. Great political film. Um, it talks about the events surrounding it. So I think it's the Mexican-American War. Um, it's, some, it's some war. I think it's the Spanish uh, Civil War. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's the Spanish Civil War, and it talks about that and incorporates that. It, it has some like great commentary on that storyline, um, and combines that with the horror. So it's like it's a horror movie that's so clever that it's able to use its horror to make like a really emotional commentary on the Spanish Civil War and just on war in general. And it kind of sees it through the eyes of like super adorable kid. Um, that's all I'll say about that. I, I really love this movie. And if you haven't seen it, I really hope you get a chance to check it out. Yeah, I've never seen this movie. I'm going to be honest. Me and Corey, have you guys seen it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm obsessed with Guillermo del Toro. I think uh, this isn't my favorite of, of his. Um, I, te- I actually really love um, Devil's Backbone, which he did okay. earlier in 2000. But this is very much up there. Probably his most popular film, like, I probably should say to say. Um, and yeah, the, the the characters in this are so inventive. It's what, what I would say about Guillermo del Toro is that he makes horror with a heart. You know, like his mm-hmm. films are unsettling and they are scary and they are creepy, but they're so like tender and sweet at the same time that um, I don't know. It's, it makes him very watchable. I think compared to a lot of other horror, you don't really go into his films as tensed up maybe as you would other horror directors. Yeah, I've seen it. It's been a while to see it, but um, I like it. <laughs> Keep it brief. Yeah, that's honestly that's the best uh, praise you could ever give a horror movie. From my perspective, is horror with the heart. So yeah, I think if you're, if you haven't seen a lot of the Torres movies. I know you're not the biggest Shape of Water guy, but if some of his no, more horror focused movies, like in the earlier two thousands, um, I really, really think you'd like them. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah, Sam, I didn't like Shape of Water either, but I think that you'll like this movie because I really like it. Cool. Samir, you are in the next pick. And you can draft a movie. Okay. Wow. That kind of caught me off guard. <laughs> How did that catch you off guard? Five times. <laughs> well, I, 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 I showed you how snakes, snakes move earlier. How much more clear can it get? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Hold on, hold on. One second. Uh, okay, all right. So my next pick is going to be from the 70s. Okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say Carrie. Dude, you didn't even fucking talk about this movie. I would have fucking drafted this if I had known you'd watched this movie. <laughs> I know. I didn't I didn't log it for a reason. I secretly watched it as you guys were talking Bro. about it. And I knew. I knew. 
Bro, oh, you're such a bitch. I knew. Well, was that sneaky or what? Was that? I oh, knew my. that was a trick up my sleeve. Dude, I'm half a draft um, a movie that I gave two stars on Letterboxd now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you guys will agree with me when I say that this movie is freaking fantastic. I honestly awesome. didn't even think I'd like it. Like, you guys were talking about a lot of movies in that group chat, and this was the one with the coolest poster, and I'm very glad I checked it out because I generally don't like prom-type movies, but um, fantastic. Absolutely loved it. I picked this movie, and I'm going to keep it brief and just say, wow. So I will say this. Of all the horror movies I've watched in my life, like Hereditary is probably my favorite. I think Carrie is a very close second. I loved this movie. I, it is like for me, uh, I think like what makes it work so well is it's kind of just like a dreamlike teen drama, and then it just completely fucking swips flips a switch. And honestly, like I'm a a big proponent that like I I like horror movies where it just fucking flips. Like it's not this big build. Like it just like all of a sudden the shit just hits the fan. And, like, Carrie's just, like, the shit hits the fucking fan. And it's so... Like, Sissy Spacek is such a good actress. And she's so scary in it. And, like, the storyline with the mom is scary and good. It's so good. I love this movie. Definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, I saw Carrie a long time ago, so I don't have too much to add. Although, I, all I'll say is, um... You mentioned Sissy Spacek. Between this and Badlands... 1970s Sissy Spacek. Yeah, dude, she was 29 when she when she played this character in Carrie. She plays like a 17 year old high schooler. She's 29, and she literally looks like she's 15 in it. I do, I have no idea how they did it. It's so. I did think uh, this isn't a huge deal, but I think that's that's Brian showing a bunch of new. Yeah, Brian, they, De Brian De Palma doing like you know like dude action films, and I definitely think that yeah. kind of, you kind of tell that's the case with Carrie, even though it's a film about a, a female character. Um, it's not as, like, female positive, I guess, as, as a, a movie about um, a female figure should be. But with that being said, I think it's a very, very good film. Dan, have you seen? I have, a while back. But, yeah, I think it's a great movie, and the obviously iconic shot of the blood pouring on her is such a signature moment in horror now. Yeah, that's yeah, so good. Good pick, Samir. Dane, we are now to whatever pick it is, but it's the third round and it's you. Okay, I'm honestly, I'm in a, I'm in a pickle. I, I don't really know what to go with. Um, all right. Um, how do you guys... Alright, I'm gonna okay, 1980s. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna okay. 1980s, my movie is David Cronenberg's The Fly. Mm. I saw this movie I wanna say sometime last year, and it was one of those movies where you watch it and it's been out for this long, and I could not believe that it took me that long to see that movie. Um, Sam, I think The Fly, you haven't seen it. It's, I think it is a horror movie with heart because 
throughout the movie, you gain this connection to Jeff Goldblum's character, who is phenomenal in the movie, by the way. And then, I, I don't want to spoil it too hard, but he becomes a fly. And the transformation is all done practically. And the, the physical, practical effects in this movie are so grotesque and just disgusting, particularly in his final transformation, that it just it makes you want to vomit and it is just so gut-wrenching and gets under your skin um but anyway back to it being a horror movie with heart obviously i in my opinion anyway in a really good relationship with jeff goldblum throughout the movie so watching him go through the transformation is so heartbreaking and overall i think it, it's it's a really well-written movie and from a horror aspect, I was deeply disturbed watching it as well. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I agree. I think this is that kind of movie that I would say to anyone who claims to not like horror, watch The Fly. It is it? Well, I think it convert almost anybody. It's definitely David Cronenberg's best. I don't know if it's my personal favorite, but I would probably say it's his technically best. Uh, he's just a fantastic director. Obviously, like the king of body horrors, so like he said. That movie includes some of those grotesque, terrifying images i'll ever see a movie like ingrained in my head um really 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 good movie i'll check it out too i'll i think i have probably two or three good horror movie viewings in me after this episode but i'm gonna have to use them wisely i would use them i really think cronenberg is like i i think he's like one of those directors you need to see like as many of his moves as possible yeah interesting interesting well i did watch a cronenberg movie uh this in the past 10 days the fly makes you feel a type of way um particularly Corey, if you remember the part with the monkey <laughs> it, it, when you don't he, have to explain scenes yeah but uh yeah it's great <laughs> and small um i have the next pick and with our next pick comes a next reason why i do not like horror movies and that is Bad horror movies are tend to be the absolute worst movies uh, as opposed to other genres. As opposed to, like, a bad drama is a waste of time. A bad comedy is a waste of time. A bad romance is a waste of time. There is something so viscerally bad about a bad horror that makes me... There's like there are several horror movies that I've watched that are so bad that make me never want to watch another horror movie again. Specifically, It Chapter Two is the worst fucking movie I've ever seen, and yeah, I that's a really bad movie. honestly, you know, like Samir and I are and very much I, how bad that movie is. Yeah, and like so, like I get, like I get that, like. Hopefully, I I would develop this new love of horror because there are some really good films up on this list. But dude, there are just some really fucking bad horror movies that make me never want to watch them again. I think like what you know we kind of discussed earlier in the episode about these franchises like Child's Play that are just like spawning all these sequels and stuff. Um, I kind of get to exactly why I think your your point doesn't really stand, which is that a bad horror movie, unlike other genres. Um, tends to develop a sort of cult following. Like, I think that's what makes horror like a more like a very fun genre. Think about how many niche podcasts there are that are just about horror films as opposed to films more broadly. Think about how many 
uh, horror films you would just call like a cult classic more as mm -hmm. compared to other genres horror just kind of develops a sort of culture around it where its worst movies can still find audiences and still mean a lot to a lot of different people and i like it whereas i do think that if a drama is just bad it's just bad and then it's just forgotten and i think horror is able to, to connect with people in different ways i also think there's a weird almost it's like subgenre of horror where it just gets campy and kind of really out there i i'm thinking of like hatchet or or critters um like real c-list movies honestly that like you said Corey, get these cult followings and i mean i think there's definitely something to be said about a movie that can spawn a cult following um that maybe they're not necessarily good, but I do think like the goofy, you know, still kind of creepy aspect to a subpar horror movie can be engaging. Um, say how bad it chapter two was. Oh well, I I have a lot to say about that. I'm just gonna say Chinese dinner scene is the Chinese worst scene. It's the worst scene, scene in movie history. I honestly think, like, that's my unironic take. Like, that might be, for me, the single worst 15-minute sequence I've ever watched on film. It's so bad. It's impossible. it's impossible to follow. It's ridiculous. It's not scary. Yeah, I just... I mean, I think me and Corey walked out of that movie. Um, like, first of all, I, I went to see it with Corey and Matt DuPont, um, who hopefully is listening to this episode. If not, I'll text him he after. Loves horror, he loves horror movies, so... Yeah, we should have yeah. honestly invited him as a guest on this. That's true. Sorry, we probably should have. We'll, we'll invite you on a different episode. Um, but, yeah, we, we walked out, and Corey was the first to say, I'm going to say it. I fucking hated it. And, <laughs> I was like, oh my god, thank god. Because I honestly thought both of them liked it, so I wasn't going to shit on it too much. But, god damn, that third act was like freaking having Horrible. an epileptic stroke and laser storm. Like, holy crap. Yeah, I mean, even that movie, which I despise to no end, is bad because it's like a big budget genre, uh, like franchise blockbuster kind of thing. It's not bad because it's a horror film. Yeah. I don't know. Just... It's a shitty sequel. Oh, I can yeah. Say. Oh, yeah. They tried way too hard to play into the child actors to bring them back. I feel like yeah. them edit them back into the story was so bad. Also, just yeah, the third act and how they kill Pennywise is just the most laughably is laughably stupid. There laughably. were moments in the story. I mean, like throughout the plot that were very reminiscent of the book. Whether it be yeah. like it did bring up ch like the Chud ritual and all that stuff, but then none of it even played off in the end. And I was just like, "Yeah, Dane, I think uh, you actually touched upon no. the biggest vice of this movie, which is it can really be boiled down to the fact that they just got lost in this weird territory of wanting to adhere to like the lore of the book, but then they forgot that they were making a movie, and that's why yeah. the final product ended up being what it was. Still made a ton of money, but I just kind of really, really hated it." Legit the worst movie I've ever seen, I will not be convinced. Otherwise, and with my third pick, I will be picking... I was thinking, like, wow, I can't... There's no good 1970s movies, I'm gonna have to pick Eraserhead, which I did not like. Uh, but actually, I get to pick the movie I just watched, which was Invasion of the Body Snatchers. 
going to be my next pick. Uh, it gives me great joy to not only have Corey go, so I don't think you're going to win the draft, but then take his pick. Corey, <laughs> you, you are... <laughs> I'm living rent-free in your head right favorite. now all-time movies on your list and yet one that i don't want to consider at all yeah which i mean unfortunately i think i'm in the driver's seat of this draft so far and i don't even like the genre which is unfortunate for you three i feel very embarrassed for you guys uh this movie is really good this was a really fun one um it is i think like a lot of it is steeped in the last 15 seconds of the movie so it's like kind of impossible to explain it without spoiling it all. Um, but yeah, just really fun. I love I love San Francisco as a, a backdrop for horror because like it is both geographically and geometrically kind of wonky. Like it's just like the culture is a little it's a little fringe as is. Um, but then like also like you'll see like them walking down a really steep um, hill. And you might think like that's edited, but it's really not. And like the camera's gonna be at a really stark angle because of like the the landscape that they're filming on. Just to, overall, like it was scary. Honestly, I was scared multiple times, but mostly I just thought it was an interesting and a really like it was almost like The Giver. If you guys have ever read the book, like it's honestly one of the like, the main premises of it is you kind of lose out on being a person. Um. I love this movie. Corey, talk about how good this pick was. I mean, you kind of alluded to it at the end there, but it it has a little bit of, like, I think what's nice about it is that if you are looking for a horror movie that means a little bit more, it has this nice sort of, like, anti-fascist, like, anti, um, yeah, anti, like, anti-fascist sort, sort of, like, undercurrent, I'd say. I can't help think but of COVID the entire time. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's, it, that's true. I thought of the pandemic the entire time. Yeah, exactly. And I think, um, it, it, in that way, it speaks to any moment. I know, I think, because this is a remake of a 50s film that I think a lot of people felt um, was about McCarthyism at the time. Uh, and obviously, it's coming out in the late 70s, as you could, you could imagine. Uh, so it's like, it, it speaks to different moments. I think so that just speaks to how clever the central concept is. But in this specific film and some of the direction, some of the camera work, the way it, it comes in really closely on characters, the way it, it would often shows their reflection in mirrors or just walls and stuff, so it doubles them up. Which relates obviously to the central like doubling uh, premise. That. It does some really really cool things that I um, I never really seen horror movies do. Uh, it's it's one of my all time favorite films. Having having watched it just recently, I, I love it, love it, love it. Yeah, I actually it was the last movie I watched right before the podcast. I had just finished it and hopped on, but I also loved it. I thought it was so good. The ending was awesome. Um, I really love the attention to detail in the movie. Anytime like a character was walking down a street or like down a hallway or something, I swear there was always an extra just standing, staring off into the distance. And you couldn't help but get this sense of paranoia the entire time that they were being watched. And I think like the sense of paranoia and just like unknowing that I had the entire movie just shows how effective it was and then all then like the practical monster effect with the pods and all that stuff was super cool too um jeff goldblum and donald sutherland awesome um and the other little cool detail i loved was anytime there was like a an establishing shot 
it would have the the trash can in it uh, the, the garbage yeah yeah the truck, which is like how they were disposing of the, the double whenever yeah. um they were done with it I, I just think the little details in the movie really just pushed it over the top also how they they sort of make they confuse the sound of the garbage truck with the sound of the scream but also the sound of just the score like all those sounds start to sound similar and like layer on top yeah. of each other so you're not even sure what you're hearing very effective God, what a yeah what a great pick by me okay Corey. Well, <laughs> all right so i'm gonna use my wild card here and i'm gonna do another 2010s film it's not one that i expected to to pick but i do think it's an important horror film and so it is one that i think uh needs to be selected here and i'm gonna select the cabin in the woods from 2011. Yeah, I, mean, dude, I was about to pick that as my yeah so um this is from drew goddard who i really like i really love bad times the el royale which is a few years later he is clearly someone who's very interested in genre and i I uh, think Cabin in the Woods is a really pretty example of that. Um, movie starts out just like any other horror film. Wait, 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 wait. You liked Bad Times at the El Royale? Yeah, I love that movie. Wait, what? Okay, continue. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that that's a really good film is Bad Times at the El Royale. Um, I could go on a whole rant about that one, too. But Cabin in the Woods starts out very much like any other horror film, like aggressively like any other horror film, before obviously becoming a really clever sort of deconstruction of the horror genre. Um, I don't think this film is aged as well as maybe some other films uh, on the list. It is a really, really important film because we don't, I don't think we get this sort of horror renaissance of the 2010s without Cabin in the Woods because it really did sort of kick every horror director in the ass and say, start doing something different. Like, look how, you know, overdone this genre is. And in that way, I think it's really, really clever. It's really funny, and yet it's still scary at the same time. Yeah, I think that's I, a great pick. Um, I love, I love that movie. Yeah, very clever, well written, um, funny at times too, which was interesting. Uh, yeah, at the end with all like the the different characters, there's so many little Easter eggs in there. It was, it was really cool, and I never thought of it as like a a kick in the ass too. Uh, horror directors about like do something different. Yeah, I just want to. I mean, I I love that movie, but I also just in my time want to sh- give a quick shout out to Joss Joss Whedon, who was like a co-writer on this movie. Um, it was just super interesting that he was like he had a big say and like he was super involved with this movie. Um, given the type of movies that he normally works with, but super smart movie and um, yeah, love it. All right, so I'm actually less certain what I'm going to do here. Um, wait, can I, can I ask if you guys have seen a movie? Because I don't want to pick it if literally no one's seen it. Nope, you have, to, you have to guess it. Wait, yeah, that's against the rules, yeah, that's, against Corey. The that's part of the game. I mean, all right, well, I, I know this is a, is a good movie, so I don't have no issue, no issue picking it. Um, I'm going to do my 2000s. And I'm gonna do a, a foreign horror film. I'm gonna do Let the Right One In. Um, I don't know if anybody on this podcast has seen it or not, um, but if you haven't, I highly recommend it. This is another one that I would describe as horror with a heart. Um, maybe even more so than any other Del Toro film. It's like maybe the sweetest horror movie I've ever seen. It's basically a love story 
between um, a vampire, a little, a little girl is a vampire and a little boy. Um, so it's like a really romantic movie, but it's very creepy. They did a not nearly as good um, English language remake called Let Me In. So if you're gonna watch one, I definitely recommend watching Let the Right One In. Uh, I, think, I think it's Swedish. Um, definitely a Nordic country, I'm pretty sure it's Sweden. Uh, I, I absolutely love this movie. It's, oh, I think it would be one of your favorites, Sam, if, if you're talking about enjoying horror movies that do do a little more character development and do feel a little more emotionally rich. This is like right up your alley. I did not know that, that it was a remake or it wasn't a remake, but there was a U.S. version because was the U.S. version, was it with Chloe Grace, Grace Moretz? Moretz? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I've definitely seen the remake. Um, so I'll, I'll check that out. I have not seen it. Yeah, it's not the remakes. Actually, as far as remakes go, it's really not that bad. But uh, the original is just so so good. Oh, okay. Um, I'm gonna say a hot take, and you guys can talk about it. Um, next reason why I don't like horror movies is that they aggressively breed sequels, which is one of my least favorite parts of um, movies in general. Uh, I'm notorious for anyone who knows me on my take about superhero movies it's much less my hatred of superhero movies and more my hatred of repeated cash grab uh sequels and i think horror movies are maybe besides superhero movies the worst offenders of unneeded sequels i like stories to just be wrapped up in a movie with like you know obviously some like what happened you know your question of like Halloween would be great if Michael Myers got away and that was it. That was the scary thing. But, you know, then they make another one where he escapes from another, like, um, you know, penitentiary and he escapes from this place and he escapes from that. It's just like, I don't fucking need to, like, just wrap it up. Wrap it up. Who cares? Okay, guys. Why am I wrong about that? So, I mean, I would say I think your complaint lies more with, like, the structure of the U.S. studio system, not really with the horror genre. I mean... Uh, like um, America will turn any pop culture icon into a cash grab franchise, and horror does tend to breed some pop culture icons. Uh, that doesn't take anything away from the individual films. And often, when you think about think about sequels to the movies that we have up here, something like Halloween, as those movies went on, they they slipped further and further away from John Carpenter's creative control. So it's almost like the sequel thing is kind of irrelevant because it. The the movie itself, like the what what was great about that that film, still stands. I don't really, I don't really view the sequels as a, as a knock on them or often even related to them in any way. Okay, my pick. <laughs> I can agree with that, I guess. Um, my pick is gonna be a wild card because I'm hoping that the '80s movie I'm thinking of will not get picked. Um, and that is, I have. I'm going to have to swallow my pride and pick a movie that I think has more uh, enjoyment from multiple people as opposed to just I know Samir likes it. So I'm going to pick Get Out instead of Black Swan. And I'm going to hope that that wins me support of Dane. If Dane prefers Black Swan to Get Out, then I am a big dum-dum and I made the wrong choice. But I'm fairly certain Dane likes this movie more. You're ready to rant all okay. night, so let's go. Yeah, so Corey said that he didn't like Get Out uh, and then left it at that last episode. I 
love Get Out. I think it is a very exciting. Um, I think it's a very. Um, I like obviously. I can never understand this movie as much as, you know, the black people that are watching this and can understand kind of the entrapment that it feels like being in a really white setting. Um, it's a type of fear that isn't super, super relatable. Um, but I just think it's such a, a dynamic and interesting way of looking at it. I think it's honestly pretty scary as well. Um, and I just love, like, I love the intensity of it. Like, I think... It, it is one of those movies that just kind of flips uh, the script on you. Um, I think there's really good performances throughout. Um, it's also just a fun movie. Like, I think you can watch this movie with your friends, um, which is how I prefer to watch most horror movies, is watching with friends. And I remember watching this in theaters and the entire audience just being so into it. Um, as well as it being one of the, like, you know, big black horror films um, that we've, you know, honestly ever had. Uh, it was definitely a cultural touchstone um, when it was released. So I I, I really like this movie. Um, let's hear Dane and Samir talk about why it's good and then Corey, why it wasn't good. Yeah, I, I'm one who's, uh, I mean, general thoughts, I really like it. It's not in theaters. And uh, I think definitely the audience reactions uh, really boosted the movie experience. Um, I thought it was scary, very unnerving. Um, and for a movie to really delve into societal issues, um, I think it's something that was, um, very refreshing, especially in modern horror movies. Um, the score was great, uh, and the music, um, yeah. And I, I'm also a sucker for, for symbolism. Um, and there was a lot of that throughout the movie. So at least in my opinion, but yeah, Samir, what are your thoughts? I think the best thing I can say about this movie is the fact that it was a definitive time point in the timeline of American horror. Um, and I say that because I think that after this movie came out, the influence, it, the influence of it became so clear with a number of movies trying to do what it did so effectively. Um, so there's that. And the fact that like, it really shaped, I guess, what what horror could be in in our time frame in terms of like like before this movie you had movies that would take current day political jabs about like the liberal elite and stuff but to combine that um with the horror and with like relevant issues especially from a black director coming from a place where obviously he, he has a very unique take on the black experience um yeah, just just a phenomenal landmark movie that was engaging and really well written. And honestly, like I think, yeah, he he won best original screenplay that year, Jordan Peele, and that might be the most satisfying Oscar win for me. Actually, you know, out of like seeing him in Key and Peele, and then seeing him here might be. Any form of media, you know. I, I'm like kind of reluctant to even call it an arc because it's just development, you know. It's um, I'm just glad that he he was able to get that recognition because he's a genius, and I knew it from the Key and Peele days too. Like this guy is going places. All right, Corey, yeah, why was it a good pick? I was also a huge fan of of Jordan Peele dating back to Key and Peele, um, and I should make it clear that this is still a really uh, impressive film in terms of its, its ambition. First of all, I mean like. 
to tackle an issue like this and then tackle it so aggressively as a mainstream horror film is like actually fucking bonkers. So like it, like it is a testament to Jordan Peele um, and and the studio that took this film on. And it's it and a lot of its commentary is successful. I guess my issue with Get Out is less about the movie itself and more about how it sort of has impacted like people's perception of horror movies. For some reason people like to act like Get Out invented the idea of a horror movie having social commentary. And you know, we'll get to a film later. I hope to to select a film later on um, that just as one example of this, but there have been so many movies um, in, in so many horror movies that have tackled uh, this topic and so many other important social issues in so many ways that to me, honestly, were, were way more clever and uh, like, you know, way more clever and not as um, in your face as Get Out is. I mean, Americans don't do well with subtleties, and so maybe something like Get Out is, is pretty effective in that way. But you know, I, I was always surprised at this one best screenplay because I do feel like it's a little disjointed. And I do feel like it kind of tries to throw at a lot of the wall, a lot of the wall being a slapstick comedy um, toward the end of the film and towards the beginning, but also like kind of being a horror movie, but then sort of being, um, I don't even know what else, uh, like a relationship drama, I guess. I mean, it just, it, and it, it doesn't balance those genres the way other films do. I feel like it just kind of dances between them. Uh, again, it's, it's, it, very, it becomes effective at times but for that exact same reason. Uh, I guess I, I just, it just bums me out that people act like before Jordan Peele and Get Out, horror movies were not doing any important work. Because honestly, horror more so than the other genre has been a safe space for a lot of uh, minority groups and subcultures and things like that. Corey, I, I agree with you on um, the point that like, horror movies have done social commentary before this. Um, but you, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth when you said it. Um, I guess you were describing it as a negative for Get Out, but I actually think it's a positive, and that is the fact that you said that kind of lacks that subtlety um, that maybe some of the other movies had. I think one of the biggest strengths of this movie, and when it does make those kinds of jabs and commentary, is that the audience it's meant for understands it. Um, and I'm talking about like the same crew of people that will see Avengers Endgame and call that like, the best movie of all time or something like that like people who aren't film buffs or people who are just general moviegoers are able to really connect with its central thesis and i'm not saying that that thesis in and of itself was super novel or the social commentary thing hasn't been done but i think that it was able to really understand its audience and convey what it wanted to say um and yes it didn't have that it didn't have that subtlety and nuance that it may have had, but I think that that actually worked as a positive because a lot more people were able to understand, enjoy, and more importantly, I guess, understand what it was trying to say. And um, I think for that reason, you know, it it's a great film. It sounds like I made a great pick again. Um, that would it's safe to assume I'm four for four and still very much in the lead of this draft. Um, Dane will try to get second place now on his next pick, which is. All right. So. Uh, all right. I'm going to go with my wild card pick here. And I'm going to go to the set. Oh, back to the 70s. And I'm going to pick Alien. 
I think Alien is again one of those movies that really emphasizes like that sense of paranoia because they're confined to this small ship where this alien is just running through the ducks trying to hunt them down and kill them. Um, also, just some pretty amazing visuals in that scene or in in the movie, particularly in the scene when uh, the chest burster jumps out of what's his name's chest. That scene, uh, fun fact, they didn't even know that was going to happen. So he kind of just laid down on the table and had it shoot out. So their reactions are all genuine and like, you know, so shocking. Um, but just all around, I think the alien is, in itself is terrifying with the mouth that comes out of its other mouth. Um, and also Sigourney Weaver is just amazing in, in Alien. And I was also debating on doing Aliens because I think Aliens is equally as good of a movie. Um, and yeah, Sigourney Weaver in both movies is amazing. Like there's Alien and Aliens and they're yeah. different movies. No, there, I know. Is like one of the best sequels ever made. Yeah, is there like more aliens? Is that like its thing? <laughs> you gotta watch to find out, don't you? Oh, wow. Okay. Opinions, thoughts. We should. Uh, it's already eleven thirty, so we should probably be a little quicker on the movies we're picking. Unfortunately. Yeah, I just say it's it's a, it's a great choice. Ridley Scott's another name we haven't brought up yet, but it belongs in this conversation of like great horror directors, uh, especially due to the Aliens franchise. I see that. So, yeah, I I haven't seen it either, but hard agree on the Ridley Scott thing. As soon as you said Alien, I just googled Ridley Scott again. Um, great director belongs here. It's a man. He's picking our next movie. Okay. For my next one, I see that I still haven't picked the 2010, so I'm going to say 2010, and I'm going to say Mandy. Wow. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'm going to say Mandy. Um, okay, do I have to... Alright, I guess I have to defend this one. Yeah, you'll have to really convince me on this one, because I'm not sold. Okay. Um... I feel like there is, for me, when I watched it, at least I felt the biological thing that we call fear. And that's just because I feel like there's a lot of horror imagery here. Um, obviously, I know. It's... It's gory. It's um. It's got some nightmarish images to it, and I think even like the way he crafts the landscape in this movie, it's it's done in such a hellish way, um, hellish hellish and psychedelic way that I think that to me that just is so reminiscent of something I'd see in any other horror movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. I thought. Um, yeah, I lose it on this pick. I've seen I've seen Mandy. Um, I really liked Mandy. I thought the visuals were awesome. Um, like you said, it's a very colorful movie. Um, Nick Cage is absolutely insane, and it's it's like a, a heavy. Yeah, he's the main character. Um, heavy, he's really good in it. Sam. He's so good. It, it fits his like psychotic. It, it makes sense for the movie. Um, yeah, 
he's got this like sight. Oh my god, so it, cool! It's like a like a heavy metal BDSM acid trip. Um, but in, in terms of a horror movie, I I didn't think it was like too scary. Um, there were things where I was just like kind of like blew me away with the gore. Um, yeah, I mean, I like it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I also really like the score too. I'll, I'll add that too. Oh yeah, the, the score of this movie is awesome. the score, the, the visuals. It is a, in a, it's a super cool movie. You can't watch this and not be like fucking blown away by how cool it is. I just find it to be a little forgettable. I mean, I'm I usually am willing to defend um, you know, style over substance. I think it's okay to lean towards style a lot of the time in films, and I kind of find that debate to be maybe a little reductive. I do think Manny's the kind of film where I'm like, this is just kind of all, all dressed up with, with like not nothing really inside. You know, it's it's very hollow. Um, and to me, the 2010s where we keep talking about how it's so rich with great horror films. I mean, um, th- think about some of the iconic horror films that have come out just the past few years. I th- I think they're better picks than Mandy. I, I will say, um, I'll add later. I'll add my negative, like why I'm not over the moon about Mandy. Yeah, I I think Nick Cage was amazing in the movie and it fit his his acting type. But overall, I I kind of felt like I was just on like a, a roller coaster ride for most of the movie. I I never felt too in, invested in what was going on. Um, yeah. Well, let's yeah, have well, some, take I, some in this next pick. Because he has got panned hard for that. Yeah, I was not expecting that. I, I honestly thought both of you really liked Mandy. Um, but noted. Okay. Well, <laughs> for, <laughs> for my next one, I guess I'm gonna see. I, I I don't even know if this is playing it safe, but I'll go 90s. All right. I'll say a movie that to me, um, it's it's just in my all time favorites for favorite movies and that is the sixth sense the good one yeah so it's t-h-e yeah the, the sixth sense, <laughs> Just sixth sense. um yeah what a great movie and i know that like the whole m night Shyamalan twist thing is again easily parodied on family guy because they have taken way too many jabs at him um but I think this is, you know, the movie where it just completely landed. And this was back when the Oscar. So they used to have an Oscar award for best story. And I know that this movie won the Oscar for best story. Um, they've since gotten rid of that award and I guess combined it with best original screenplay. But I think the story, just the plot line for this movie is so excellent. Obviously, I'm not going to, you know, for viewers, for listeners and if, there's anybody here that hasn't seen it. I'm not going to ruin the ending, but the twist is great. Really good. This is the most universally spoiled movie of all time. I'm sure. I feel like there's no one on this planet who doesn't know the ending to the Sixth Sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. In, in case you do, it, I, know, I know. Yeah, I haven't seen it, and I even know the twist. Um, but even, even you know, I feel like a lot of the conversation about this movie, like just like you know, that we've been doing. Um, get so wrapped up in that final moment but i think that even outside of that it's just a great film like it's chilling throughout it's got a pretty um heartfelt storyline i think at its core and i think that 
it's got some genuinely really creepy and scary moments just sprinkled here and there in terms of screenplay it's super tight um and you know there's some great performances in here too i think overall from start to finish it's just a it's just a great movie I love this movie. This is like I can like think back on this movie as one of like the defining, just like just a movie that really made me love movies. Like, and I remember seeing it when I was pretty young, and like being able to handle it and thinking like, wow, that was like me kind of scared, but I liked that feeling. And um, and I have, I just have very fond memories of watching this growing up. I've always loved M Night just because he is a local Philly guy, and movies are all set in Philly. It adds like an extra uh, fun element to watching his movies. I think even his bad movies are good. Like I. Um, I think he gets a lot of shit. A lot of people feel like he kind of peaked with the Sixth Sense and has gone under. But I really, I really like the Sixth Sense, and I like a lot of his movies on the whole. Are you like as well? Um, oh, the Last Airbender is an absolute piece of shit. But uh, I mean, movies like The Happening and The Visit that people, or not The Visit, but The Village. The Visit was pretty. Bad. The Village is a movie that people tend to shit on, and tend, again, The Happening people really shit on. Um, but I don't know. I see something there. I, I see what M. Night's trying to do, and I respect it. Cool. Hey, to your next movie. It looks like you have a 70s, a 90s, an 80s, and a 70s. So you need a 10s and a 2000s. Yeah, you need a 2000s and a 2010s. Okay. So I'm going to go with 2010s, and three of my movies uh, that I would have liked to pick are now gone. But I'm going to go with one that I think is slept, slept on. I hope you guys have seen it. Um, but that's 10 Cloverfield Lane. Mm-hmm. You guys consider that a horror movie? Yeah, I'll give it a, I'll give it. Actually, Sam and I were just talking, because Sam didn't recognize when we saw the, the ad for it the other day. And I was telling him about this movie. But I would definitely call it horror. It's it's actually pretty, It's it's not like jump scare scary, obviously, but it's pretty terrifying. Yeah, pretty unsettling. Um, yeah, I I mean I'm a huge fan of the 2000s Cloverfield, um, and I think going from a monster movie, uh, first person monster movie to something like this, um, really m- made this made me appreciate 10 Cloverfield Lane even more because it was so drastically different from Cloverfield, essentially operating like an anthology. Um, and I I think 10 Cloverfield Lane is the better movie. Um, but overall, like the the creepy, um, who is it in the John Goodman is uh, a guy who essentially has a nuclear shelter and uh, Mary, um, what's her name, Winstead? Yeah. Um, no, we don't need to know the plot of the movie, do we? No, no, no. Okay, I'll just keep talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So the movie takes place in a nuclear bunker, and the close, like proximity of all the the walls and everything the movie only really takes place in in two rooms i think was such uh, a good factor for the movie and really um made the movie much more terrifying um and there were also some very gruesome scenes that again like the ho- type of horror work gets under your skin and just makes you feel weird Yeah, this is one I, I wouldn't have thought of, but it's actually it's a pretty slept on movie. I think it's a good call. For the purposes of the draft, I probably would have maybe leaned towards, you know, like The Witch or The Babadook or some of these other big uh, 2010s films. But 
don't know. You're kind of making me rethink that because I, I, I do think this is a slept on movie. Good pick. Well, I've run out of reasons why I don't like horror movies now, and now I'm to saying that horror movies are the best kind of movies. And that takes me to, uh, I need to draft an 80s or a 90s. I'm going to draft 80s first because I know no one has picked my, watched the 90s movie that I've watched, and it's the biggest dud of every movie we've picked here. So I'm going to get the 80s out of the way and say The Thing. I'll make a type the... And you might be, like, wondering, like, isn't picking the thing against every single thing you hate about horror movies you've listed up until this point? And you would be right. It's about a literal thing that has no motivations besides killing things. I just thought it was spooky. This was a spooky movie, dude. Like, and if we're talking about, like, good practical effects, like, the practical effects in this movie are really, really good. Uh, very scary, and honestly, like, like there is effects that like I don't think you could even do with CGI, and they'd look as like they'd elicit the response, like to Corey's point about like campiness, uh, kind of the fear that it draws. Um, this was a scary movie, and I, this is a really good ending of a movie. Um, one of the better ending of a horror movie I've seen. I don't love the like concept of like people stuck in a bunker and the thing hunts them one by one. That's why I didn't watch Alien. Um, I don't love that kind of thing, and that's what the thing is about. But uh, for what it is, it's 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 pretty much perfect. I can't really get a fault. Um, it's just not my my type of movie. But I'm actually surprised this kind of didn't get picked. Yeah, definitely an iconic horror movie. Amazing score by Ennio Morricone. Um, yeah. So another one where the score is really instrumental to like the success of the film. It's not it's not my favorite because it's not really my cup of tea. But I think you put it perfectly. You can't deny this does everything a horror film is supposed to do, and it does it well. Corey, all right. Yes, yeah, so I really was not sure which direction to go here. Um, I think I'm going to go with an '80s movie. Because, you know, the 80s, were so many movies you could choose from. And, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go with Hellraiser. So, for a while here, I was thinking of which uh, David Cronenberg movie um, I should pick from the 80s, because pretty much any of them would work. Uh, I wasn't sure who had seen what, and I already think I kind of flopped with my 2000s pick by picking a movie nobody has seen yet. I'm not sure if anybody's seen Hellraiser, so maybe I made that mistake again. But it is a pretty iconic movie. I mean, Pinhead is uh, right up there with like your your uh, Michael Myers and your Jasons and your Freddy Kruegers in terms of just iconic 80s horror films. Um, and this movie is gory and fucking brutal. It is. It's only 90 minutes long, but I swear to God, the screen the entire time is just filled with some kind of um, mutilated face or uh, just but gushing blood out of a wound it is like this is the goriest thing i've ever seen horrible it is it is like really disgusting but um it's really impressive i mean especially um, i did a little research having watched it and it's a, it was done on an incredibly low budget especially compared to some other uh popular movies of the time and yet its practical effects and its ability to create some of these visuals is literally insane it also has some like really like cool little artsy shots that i wouldn't have expected from uh, a sort of like you know, just kind of slasher horror film. 
Um, and I thought a decently engaging, if not even if it is a little corny, of a story. Uh, I had a lot of fun with this one. You can see why it spawned like 20 sequels, even if they all kind of suck. I could see why people get sucked into this world and kind of love what a lot of what it's doing. It sounds horrible from your description. Definitely unsettling, yes. <laughs> yeah, I've, seen it. I've never seen it. Just about with any David Cronenberg movie. Uh, did he direct it? So this isn't Cronenberg. I, I went away from my Cronenberg pick. It, it, but it's Clive, Clive Barker. Same sense, like the the body body horror. Yeah. yeah, this is definitely some peak body horror stuff here, for better or for worse. Um, Corey, you have. I just need to pick a '90s, right? Yeah, you're in '90s. All right. Well, you know, because I keep striking out and picking movies that nobody's seen, um, I know personally that I have the best list up here. But um, as of the remaining, I'm not able to to you know have these luxuries, I suppose. Um, so I'm going to pick uh, a 90s film that I had sort of alluded to earlier. I'm going to pick Candyman. Now, I again, I don't know if anybody's seen this one, um, but this is the film I had in mind when I sort of was explaining how Get Out was far from the first film to tackle issues of race. And I think Candyman, if you haven't seen it, is one of the, like, the most fascinating uh, interrogations of race and like the, our country's racial history. Uh, and like the way we we treat people of color today, it is really, 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 really fascinating. Um, I don't even want to necessarily get into details um, and spoil it because I think it is worth experiencing on your own for the first time. It's that unique. Um, I'll just say there, it, it's like Midsummer. It also follows um, like a sort of academic space uh, and their relationship to the the fear, which I think is actually a kind of really cool way to tell um, a horror story. And I think it works in both of these movies really well. It has a Philip Glass score, who is another, that's another composer who uh, I think just absolutely kills it with everything he touches and makes these really unique, iconic sounds, and especially um, chilling sounds for a movie like this. I love this movie. Uh, I think it's very, 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 very slept on. Interesting that this remake is being made by Jordan Peele, too. So Yeah, yeah that's the last thing I meant to mention. So yeah, it, it's very appropriate that it's getting a reboot now. Yeah, I was. This was the '90s movie I was mo- closest to watching, um, and and unfortunately I picked the wrong '90s movie, which I'm gonna have to sleep in. Um, which is my next pick. Actually, Samir, have you watched Candyman? No, I haven't. But that's yeah. You took the word right out of my mouth. I really want to watch it. So yeah, I this 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 movie like the original trailer looked looked actually really really good. So. Yeah. You'll all be really surprised that this isn't a bigger movie because it's it's really cool that this thing exists from 1992. Cool, good stuff. Um, I had literally only watched one horror movie from the 90s, and that was Silence of the Lambs. I was really hoping I was gonna get that was gonna fall to me that Dane was gonna pick Hereditary and I was gonna get Silence of the Lambs. Uh, that did not happen. So unfortunately, with my uh. 90s movie i'm gonna pick till dusk till dawn from dusk till dawn like the robert Rodriguez oh yeah, one? yeah yeah from dusk till dawn come on sam you're really dropping the ball on this this movie fun. fucking blew this movie's not good um <laughs> like I, i'll say it like this this movie i'm not gonna like i'm gonna keep it very real with you like 
the fact that I even got a horror movie from every decade through these years is honestly a testament to my willpower and honestly the fact that I'm probably just the best of us for it, you know, being a person. Let's just keep it very vague. <laughs> this, this movie is has Quentin Tarantino and George Clooney as two brothers and it's a crime it's like a crime movie and honestly the crime part of it yeah 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 so so it's like the first 45 minutes are a crime movie and then they have to stay at a bar called the Titty Twister like a strip club called the Titty Twister overnight and then they'll be able to like leave and stay in Mexico and their lives will be happily ever after they've like killed like hundreds of people leading up to this point so they like need to hide in mexico for the rest of their lives and it turns into this horror like this vampire horror movie that is like campy but not just not scary i don't know if they were trying to be scary at all it is like just a really unneeded twist and i can't believe this movie had high as high reviews on letterboxd as it did this movie was not good uh, and the fact that I gave it three stars was just because I was scared that people were going to ostracize me for not liking this movie. <laughs> After this episode, I am delete. I am ending it and giving this movie like one and a half stars. It was really fucking bad. Yeah, I haven't so seen it, but I, as I, the best. Because I think he, um, he's not like a super talented director, but he does make, I think, consistent, like fun um, movies that kind of know they're campy. Like, I don't mind campiness as long as it's self-aware. It's very self-aware. Um, I, like, if you're into campy horror, I can see why you'd like this. I just find campy horror to be, like, a huge waste of time. Um, I was definitely, definitely not the target audience of this film, and it really showed, because I did not like it. One of my film classes in school, again, I've never seen this movie, but for some reason, we, I guess there's, like, a famous, do you remember, like, a bar fight at some point in this movie? There, well, there's like a 35 minute bar fight. Like that's yeah, like half yeah, the movie. It's a bar fight. We watched the whole bar yeah. fight because there was like some behind the scenes about Robert Rodriguez, um, filming the scene and how they staged it and stuff. And I, it was kind of interesting. So I have that memory of this movie, but it didn't. It obviously, wasn't enough for me to go home and watch the whole thing for what that's worth. Yeah, because it's not good. Okay, <laughs> um, we are to Dane. <laughs> You guys would honestly probably right, love I it. I need a, a 2000. And uh, I'm going to go, I think it's pretty slim picking for 2000s for me. Um, but I'm going to say Saw. I think Saw is is very creepy. And I keep going back to the unnerving thing. And I think having um, Carrie Elways was such a good lead in the movie. And getting once they get to the point and the real late realization that he's going to have to like cut off his own foot. Like that realization in the movie that their like gut human instinct is going to come out and like, he's going to have to cut his foot off. It was so unsettling. And then also I, I just, I really like how they tied in a pretty solid mystery and throughout the entire thing with uh, clues popping up throughout and little things you can miss throughout the movie. Um, but yeah, and I'm I'm pretty sure that's uh James Wan directed that, and I mean he's had a pretty promising career po- post forth. I mean The Conjuring and and all of those. 
Um, so yeah, what are your guys' thoughts? I think it's a no, great, no, no. but definitely it's ingrained in pop culture and it's and it's made its mark. So it's definitely a testament to that first movie and the entire franchise. Yeah, I I love Saw. I think it's it's just great, especially first movie, the ending of it blew my brains. Like, yeah, I just have a really fond feeling towards this movie because I think it's it's scary and it's just fun. The whole time, like, I wasn't bored watching it or I wasn't, like, kind of, like, oh, God, I would never rewatch this. Like, it's one of those few horror films that I think, like, I could almost rewatch every week. Yeah. I was very engaged throughout the movie with, like, the whole concept of it being a puzzle. Yeah. I thought it was a really cool way to, to make you think throughout the movie. Mm. A great concept. Really, really clever concept. I hear this. You picked Saw, right? I was getting yeah. water. Okay, so I've heard this movie actually is very good. For some reason, this has always been ingrained as, like, maybe my parents just never wanted me to see it, but they were like, this is just fucking stupid gore horror movies. You, like, don't need to watch this. And So I've always kind of had it ingrained that this is just a, a mindless, gory um, horror movie. And honestly, I'm way too big of a bitch to ever watch this movie. It just makes me feel queasy just thinking about it. Um... But I do hear that the um, Jigsaw as a villain is actually like a really, really interesting uh, and dynamic villain. And that's one of the biggest strengths of this movie. Yeah, I mean, that's there is more a little bit more to Jigsaw and that's like revealed throughout the movie. And I think that's it is it is really cool. Samir, we are to the final pick of the movie draft. It looks like you picked an 80s, then you picked an O's, then you picked a 70s, then you picked a 10s, then you picked a 90s. You're onto a wild card. You can pick whatever you want. That's a pretty good yeah. position to be in. That was good drafting. Yeah, well done. Yeah. I thought about this one, and I guess I'm just going to have to go with my gut. Um, kind of like Corey did, you know. Regardless of what people have seen what they haven't, I just think that this this movie deserves to be here. It's The Exorcist. It's the original Exorcist. Um, what a phenomenal film! And talking about um, in terms of its influence, like maybe we can start there. Like obviously, super influential. Um, and I keep repeating this thing, but I feel like there's something there when especially horror movies that work are just repeatedly parodied throughout the ages. Um, like in movies like scary movie, obviously everything is parodied on the Simpsons and family guy, um, especially in their Treehouse of horror. Like there's like XIV and like so many of those, but um, I think, yeah, this is just, this is just a phenomenal movie. Um, and I'm just to be clear, I'm Absolutely phenomenal. You're gonna have to repeat repeat the entire point. Well, I just said that there's just some phenomenal performances here. The score here is great, and I think the best thing about some of my favorite movies is that there's like two or three scenes that are just so memorable that everybody, I feel like, almost just like Jungian type of collective consciousness, like everyone kind of knows. Or even if you haven't seen the movie. Um, where she's laying on the bed and he's like, the power of Christ compels you. Like, that's just so embedded in in our consciousness that um, 
And I think, you know, I, I owe moments like that to this movie and the strength of this movie, strength of the screenplay performances and um, the fact that it's just truly frightening and chilling. Yeah, I uh, The Exorcist is one of my favorites. Um, I didn't go with it because I wasn't sure if you, you all had seen it. Um, like all around the makeup in the in the movie is insane um the little girls who play who plays reagan she's awesome multiple scenes where she's just getting like jerked around by a spirit um but again like this movie it holds up it comes out came out in the 70s um making a jab at sam here but i think you look at movies like like jaws and invasion of the body snatchers like the exorcist is one that in my opinion holds up super well and there i can also say there's something about horror movies in which the antagonist is a kid that makes them much scarier and creepier there's just something about hearing her like spouting expletives about the one character's name whose mother is in hell that is just so so creepy but yeah i you guys should definitely watch it yeah i definitely yeah there's a there's a really funny key and peel parody of it so start there i guess that's my thing i feel like i've you since this movie you've seen exorcisms in so many horror films where i've just been like turned off from watching this but i know that's probably silly because in and of itself i'm sure it's a great film also well it's like no go ahead it's the first exorcist this first exorcism on like in a movie right. and for it like, kind of sparking kind of the whole paranormal possession type horror trope i think is, is so cool and it, they should have just stopped with it because it uh, it actually is like an amazing movie i think that makes what, sense too. Like, check it the out. main the main thing i know about this movie because i've i've never seen it um, i was too scared um, was that, like, when it came out, it, like, completely changed how audiences watched horror. Like, I remember, like, there was reports all over the country that people were throwing up in the, like, in the uh, theater watching it because it was so intense and it's so, how like, cool so fucking... That? How cool yeah, dude, they must have been like, oh, shit, it made people throw up. Let's yeah, fucking like, go. That's, that's the sickest that's headline of all time, like... Yeah, there was like pandemonium. I'm affected like, by exorcisms. Maybe because I'm a Jew. I don't know. Like I just I look at it. I don't really <laughs> feel like the fear that they want you to feel. But um, I forget how how Christian this country is. I guess that makes sense that that would really fuck up a lot of American audiences, especially I mean, in like, the seventies. For what yeah. it's worth, I'm definitely not a Christian, and I was <laughs> shit throughout this movie. So all right, all right. Cool. So that will conclude our first ever and hopefully last ever. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Had a good time. Last first ever horror movie draft. Um, and now it comes down to us voting um, for what our favorite movie draft was besides our own. I think we all sitting here think we drafted the best. Um, luckily for me, I know I drafted the best. Um, so I can go to bed easy knowing that. I think I think we should go around uh, brief, like 30 seconds, like Corey yeah. said. 
with our, our movies. Sorry for eating into your sleep time, Dane. It's all right. It's unfortunate. Where do you right, Samir, right. you're... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I guess that um, I was thinking we'd let the body of work speak for itself. But I guess, you know, I think that I've got a solid list going in terms of there's a lot of movies on here that their influence is undeniable and um, their their impact on cultural conscience is undeniable. Their impact on me is undeniable because I think that, you know, I was I took a lot of time to make sure that I personally resonated with a lot of these movies because there's some other movies um, that that may have had that impact that I personally didn't like that I didn't really feel like listening. Um, but all of these movies, you know, definitely meant something to me. And whether I was scared by them or not, um, I was definitely Im impacted emotionally. And whenever horror has that emotional core that we keep talking about, um, I feel like that's when it's most successful. So all these movies have that emotion. They have something else that it's going for um, that that really clicked and connected with audience time and time again throughout the decades. So um, that's my quick pitch. Oh, on to Dan. Sorry, I was looking at trying to make a decision for the poll. All right. So, yeah. My movies like Silence of the Lambs, Jaws, um, Alien, all movies that have made history, whether it be cementing luster or being the first horror movie to win Best Picture, all of these movies I think are are visually so well done and just really add to the horror aspects into the emotion that they're trying to convey and. Um, I think, too, these movies have heart to them, whether it be um, uh, Sigourney Weaver's main character in, in Alien or Chief Brody in Jaws. And I think, for me, the biggest one is like um, Clarice and Hannibal Lecter's relationship. So I think these are all mo horror movies that are able to emotionally pull you in as well as well-shot well-written and ultimately have like really cemented their place in the horror genre. Well, boys, uh, it's my time to explain why I think I should win. And I think I should win because um, I stayed true to myself. Um, I'm a known uh, quote unquote hater of this genre, but I think over the past week I've, I've developed a better understanding and, and an actual legitimate um, I would say interest into this genre at this point, and I watched some really, really good movies. Um, I love every single movie that I put, except for From Dust Till Dawn. That's the whatever that one stinker. Uh, sue me, but um, I picked, you know, Hereditary, which I think we can all agree is one of the best movies um, on this draft. I think Invasion of the Body Snatchers was a steal. Um, getting the thing also in the fifth round as a steal and i picked movies that i all enjoyed um and for me being able to pick i i thought going into this draft i was gonna pick movies i didn't like um i was gonna be forced to but the fact that i got to pick movies that i all liked except for uh from dust till dawn uh i'll take it i'm the real winner in the end whether <laughs> you guys pick me or not 
Yeah, I mean, so I'm kind of disadvantaged because I know you guys haven't even seen half the films I picked. I do think the first three on my list, Halloween, Midsummer, and The Cabin in the Woods, uh, are all really monumental horror films that all kind of transformed the genre and became all-time greats. Um, but because I think I have a hard time winning with you guys haven't seen half my films, I'll use um, just a second of my time to put my support behind Dane. Just look what Dane did there. I would say Dane's first four films are probably all top 10 horror films. Uh, like we, like, you know, we all have our own personal list, but you could easily place his first four picks in the top 10 all time. And I, no one would bat an eye. And then he made two like, um, like sort of sleeper, but really clever picks with his last two. So I actually think he kind of destroyed us in this draft the more I'm looking at it. I think I picked a pretty good draft. I, I agree. Okay. My, for, my first four, they're, they're classics. What can I say? Not to brag, but are you looking at the results? <laughs> I tied Dave. <laughs> Who put Sam first? <laughs> what? No way, guys! Look, I'm literally about to. Sam, I put you in my number one, bro. I, put, I think I, I, put, just, I soiled myself. That's oh my Wait, okay, I'm gonna share it. I'm gonna... Wait. Yeah, who put Sam first? Okay, boys. So, I can say I had Dane first. We're seeing, we're seeing Corey in dead last, not even remote, <laughs> remotely close. <laughs> at three, at, at, at a firm set penultimate position, Samir gets two and a half, which is right behind me and Dane tying as 2.3 and 2.3. I'm calling Rudy on this. You gotta put I up. literally, I will literally show you guys the results as well. These numbers. I mean, aren't I, I think up. I'm the bigger horror fan here, so I think that just means I win. Uh, yeah, I feel like I, I feel think, like collectively we can agree that Dane won, but I think the numbers no, don't make sense because there's no way Sam won. I feel and like either Sam, can you look at the individual? <laughs> That's probably because of the ranking system. So here we averaged everything together. So here are the rankings. So Corey's ranking was he put Dane first, me Dane second, Samir twice. That automatically means he wins. I, I put Samir first, Corey second, Dane third. Sorry, Dane, I didn't watch like any of your movies. Uh, Samir, yeah, I put myself last. Dane first, Sam second, Corey third. Good pick. I agree on Corey third. Um, I didn't. I didn't see a lot of Corey's movies. <laughs> And then Dane put Sam first, which I just backstabbed Dane and put him last. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Which is definitely the only... Think about it, in an actual election, ranked choice wouldn't be based off of average numbers. Oh my god, wait, wait, wait. You're, you are literally so annoying because you suck off ranked choice all the time. And I will not hear that ranked choice is now the... Un, the, the, the most votes in that place so dane got two first place votes he wins i literally don't care i literally don't care we both got 2.3s i'm i'm saying we're trying voting and trump was like did a really good job of coming in second on everybody's ballot he would just come in first that's not okay so so Corey is pro two-party system that's what we've learned from that i feel like what it was was that i think two people put sam second and then he was consistently ranked second. The most important thing is I was never someone's last. 
And that right. can't be said for, unfortunately, Dane, Dane had a pretty inconsistent showing here. Some people loved him. Some people would taste didn't like it. What do you mean? Two of you loved me. You didn't like me. <laughs> you both like literally. I'm mean, they're both their number ones. That uh, so this is true. Come on. This is truly one of the greatest things to ever happen. This will not be edited from the episode because we needed. We're just keep. We are keeping this live reaction. Because this is one of the funniest things to ever happen. Uh, Sam I mean, is the Trump of this podcast, doctoring these election results. <laughs> so, I, think I, I had the, the best. exact same ranking, pretty much, except both of us flipped in the positions. Right. <laughs> so, we're yeah, on the you, same way. And then, it, Dane and Sam. I got the popular vote, yeah. and Sam got the electoral college. I gerrymandered this, this tie. Is I what feel we like can say. Corey and I mutually, if we had worked out an agreement with making ourselves second and Sam third, this would have been more. Well, I think you wouldn't better. have been on. I don't think you would have been honest with yourself, which is the problem. <laughs> um, I think if you're being honest with yourself, you need to admit that I played the game correctly. And only and honestly, person, let's, only one let, person no. openly admitted to hating one of the films they selected. <laughs> yeah, you, honestly. <laughs> God, I think we need. I think we need to be honest. Entire genre. I think we need to. I think we need to be honest with ourselves, fellas, well, and admit that you guys just got fucking beat by someone who doesn't even like the genre. And honestly, what I said. And, and honestly, what I said was bullshit. Fuck this genre, and I don't like horror movies, and I will not watch anymore. Well, here's the thing. Let's put it to true test with the listeners. See what yeah, listening on the, uh, Twitter. Okay, make a Twitter poll. See okay. what the listeners. I think. Okay, I think that is a good dethroned. Let all six of our listeners vote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna text John Nallion right. Yeah, he he religiously <laughs> listens to all of your votes in this poll. <laughs> I feel like John, please, please, please. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, honestly, guys, I don't even think there needs to be anything else said. This has been. Um, definitely my favorite episode so far. I think this has been an absolute blast. Yes, and I think I think we've all learned a lot about each other. He would and, have um, hated it had he not been tied for first. <laughs> yeah. I hey, mean, congrats to Dane on winning the movie draft. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I I, In think my- I would agree with Dane. I won. Okay, well, for the Don't Hate Us for Starting a Movie podcast, I am Sam, uh, wishing all you ghouls and goblins a happy and socially distanced uh, Halloween and to never watch any more horror movies. Good night. Sam lost. (laughs) (laughs) That was funny as fuck. Yeah.